Recording in progress. Recording stopped. Um, honorable members. Recording in progress. Okay. Honorable members uh, of the Portfolio Committee of Public Works and Infrastructure, the team from Parliament that support this Portfolio Committee, the Department of Public Works and Infrastructure, of course, represented by its legal people, the Parliamentary Legal Services, um, and all those that are here to observe and watch our Portfolio Committee today. Uh, this is one of those meetings that each and every South African and the majority of the people of this country are looking forward to observe. It has been a culmination of many activities that started with department forwarding to parliament the expropriation bill number 23 of 2020, the parliament referring that bill to us as the portfolio committee. And there are a number of processes that we have followed, which we invited uh, written submissions from the public. We had oral presentations from the public. And we, we went to the nine provinces of our country for public hearings, in which we invited the people of South Africa to raise their comments, to raise their views on this important bill. Just to remind uh, those that maybe it will be the first time that they are watching this, the expropriation bill number 23 of 2020 is there to enact the expropriation act, is there to repeal the expropriation act of 1975. That was enacted by the previous uh, government uh, before 1994. And we all know that 1994 was a very important year for many of South Africans, because that is the year in which the majority of this country were allowed to vote for the members of their different political parties to go to parliament. And one of the reasons they were doing that, they were hoping that that parliament would change the laws from those that were discriminatory to many of South Africans. And another important date in our history as South Africa is when the constitution of this country was passed in 1996. And the constitution of this country allows that there may be laws that are made to ensure that the constitution is implemented totally. Um, we are here again trying to advance that. And if we can look at the introduction of this bill, it reads as follows, the bill is to provide for the expropriation of property for public purpose or in the public interest. 
to provide for certain instances where expropriation with nil compensation may be appropriate in the public interest and to provide for matters connected uh, herewith. So today, honorable members, as we have invited the legal services from the department, the legal services from the parliament, the state law, the chief, the office of the chief state law advisor to advise us on the submissions that we have received on the bill itself, and we listen to them attentively. So today, honorable members, we will be discussing the bill clause by clause. I know you all have mandates from the political parties that have sent you to parliament. We will be doing that, looking again on what people have said on the written submission, the oral presentations, and the public hearing. And again, ensure that we are still within the prospects of the law. That's why we have invited the department to be part of us, as we said so even last time, that we are not only... So the people of South Africa should know that what they have written won't be thrown out, but we will discuss and ensure that we are still within the ambits of the law. Within those few words, honorable members, I welcome you all in our portfolio committee and uh, ask you to, as you always do so, discuss robustly, progressively, and ensure that the transformation that we talked about in 1994, it may be late in 2022, but it is realized. Thank you, honorable members. Ms. Martinese, do we have any apologies? Yes, sir. Good morning to yourself, honorable members and my colleagues. I've got an apology of honorable students in the meeting currently, but should be logging out at half past nine because it's another meeting to attend to. Um, from the uh, support team, uh, Stabi is going for a minor ops, so she won't be able to attend today's meeting. Thank you, Chair. That should be all from my side. Uh, thank you, uh, Ms. Martinez. Uh, there are members that have indicated that no trading may affect them, uh, especially their connectivity. Uh, so we will have a time where someone will be speaking, but we won't be seeing her, her or his face because of connectivity challenges. As we know that low shedding is still with us, uh, honorable members. Miss um, Martinez, can we then uh, get the agenda and then you, you then outline? I don't know whether it's going to be you or... Mr. Shuei will take us through. Thanks again. Um, the agenda is as follows. Today, as you already alluded to, 
person. Uh, the portfolio committee will consider the by clause. So that session will then, um, the content advisor, then um, the members will then make their comments. After that process, chairperson will then consider the minutes of last week's meeting, which was held on the 2nd of March. Um, that should be all. Uh, Ms. Martinez, your line is not clear. Uh, maybe your shading has started in your area. Uh, but what I can say, honorable members, uh, um, if you allow me, can we take out from our agenda the issue of the, um, the minutes and, and, and agree that we won't entertain the minutes uh, this uh, meeting uh, today, honorable members, one in 13 minutes. So I think we have all the chance uh, to, to deliberate on, on the clauses and also knowing fully well that even next week, uh, next week um, on our portfolio committee again, we will be continuing with dealing with trust by trust. Okay, thank you. Thank you, honorable members. Uh, Mr. Shuaib, uh, I think he has also indicated that uh, he has a challenge of law shedding. Um, but Mr. Denzin, can you please take us through? Good morning, Chair. Good morning, members. I hope I'm audible. Yes, you are. Nola, do I have a screen share ability? Yes, you can share on. legal advisor assigned to assist the committee with the bill. Social also be available for assistance as and when needed. Thanks, Shane. Ms. Martinez, uh, maybe okay, I'm connecting, I am connecting my phone, so I think the network issues are because of the... Am I audible to, to other people? Can I please get an indication or is it just the chair that's, has, that's having a problem? You were, you were really bad. You were dragging terribly, but you're much clearer now, Nola. Uh, same with me, Nola. I think also we're struggling to hear you, but could only hear you towards the end. And Nola, um, Honorable Matebula and Inez are trying to get into the meeting. They can't get in. Okay, Chairperson and Honorable Members, I've got serious network challenges. Um, I think it's because of the load shedding, because I'm on the same spot that I'm usually at for every meeting. So the challenge is that I'm not connected to a Wi-Fi. I am hotspotting from my cell phone. So that could probably be an issue. But I'm going to try to move around and find a perfect spot for it. I hope that helps. Perfectly. So may I make a, a recommendation? Um, Chair, some of us have got um, relatively stable internet. I think mine's relatively stable at this stage. If it will help um, and um, just facilitate things, I don't mind if um, Nola wants to make me a co-host. Uh, 
Um, and then I can also assist if she can't. We can't allow an honorable member to facilitate, uh, unfortunately, honorable Samantha. Uh, honorable Shuebi is going to uh, uh, go through this as, as he has indicated earlier, uh, but Nola was to give him uh, the co-host rights so that he can assist us on his side. Mr. Denzel? Chairperson? Yes. Can um, we I just need to know whether the bill is visible to all members. Yes, it is. Okay, what I'll do is I'm going to read out each um, each clause of the bill. I'll do the title as well. And um, look, the clauses are more important. Um, so I will I will read the clause, Chair, and then members. Um, it's basically me reading the clause. And then once I'm done reading, you basically take over, Chair, um, allowing members uh, to give input if they want on a specific clause. So we have the bill in front of us, the expropriation bill, um, as indicated there, introduced um, to the National Assembly as a Section 76 bill. The explanatory summary of the bill is included here, um, and the Gazette is indicated as uh, 43798 of 9 October 2020. Um, the minister is indicated as the executive authority that introduced the bill, and that is Bill 23 of 2020. The number of copies that was printed is also indicated. Those are all formal things that must be there. Now, I'm not going to read through, through every single thing, but um, I think, Chair, in the case of this bill, the preamble is important. Um, I will just say, I will not give any explanations. I'll just say what's, what's on the paper. To provide for the expropriation of property for a public purpose or in the public interest. To provide for certain instances where expropriation with no compensation may be appropriate in the, in the public interest. And to provide for matters connected with the, therewith. The preamble follows. <clears throat> Whereas Section 25 of the Constitution of the Republic of South Africa, 1996, provides as follows. Property, 25.1. No one may be deprived of property except in terms of law of general application, and no law may permit arbitrary deprivation of property. Two. Property may be expropriated only in terms of law of general application. A, for a public purpose or in the public interest, and B, subject to compensation, the amount of which and the time and manner of payment of which have either been agreed to by those affected or decided or approved by a court. Three, the amount of the compensation and the time and manner of payment must be just and equitable reflecting an equitable balance between the public interest and the interests of those affected, having regard to all relevant circumstances, including A, the current use of the property, B, the history of the acquisition and use of the property, C, the market value of the property, D, the extent of direct state investment and subsidy in the acquisition and beneficial capital improvement of the property, and E, 
the purpose of the expropriation. Four, for the purposes of this section, A, the public interest includes the nation's commitment to land reform and to, to reforms to bring about equitable access to all South Africa's natural resources. And B, property is not limited to land. Five, the state must take reasonable legislative and other measures within its available resources to foster conditions which enable citizens to gain access to land on an equitable basis. Six, a person or community whose tenure of land is legally insecure as a result of past racially discriminatory laws or practices is entitled to the extent provided by an act of parliament, either to tenure, which is legally secure, or to comparable redress. Seven, a person or community dispossessed of property after 19 June 1913 as a result of past racial, racially discriminatory laws or practices is entitled to the extent provided by an act of parliament, either to restitution of that property or to equitable redress. Eight, no provision of this section may impede the state from taking legislative and other measures to achieve land, water, and related reform in order to redress the results of past racial discrimination, provided that any departure from, from the provisions of this section is in accordance with the provisions of Section 36.1. Nine, Parliament must enact the legislation referred to in subsection 6, and whereas Section 33.1 of the Constitution provides that everyone has the right to administrative action that is lawful, reasonably, reasonable, and procedurally fair, and whereas Section 34 of the Constitution provides that everyone has the right to have any dispute that can be resolved by the application of law decided in a fair public hearing before a court, or, where appropriate, another independent and impartial tribunal or forum, and whereas uniformity across the nation is required in order to deal effectively with these matters, and in order to enable expropriation in accordance with the Constitution, it therefore enacted by the Parliament of the Republic of South Africa as follows. And then the Act, uh, the, 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 the arrangement of the Act follows in its different chapters, and we will now move Chairperson to definitions, chapter one, definitions and application of the Act. And I'm not going to come back, jump back to this page all the time, but just go straight to the clauses. The preamble in the case of this specific Act is, uh, my apologies, in the case of this bill is crucial. So here we are in chapter one, and I will read the definitions. Okay. One. Okay. Chairperson, there's uh, a hand. Um, yes, Honourable Member. Chairperson, I'd like to just make an input on the long title and preamble before we move on to definitions, please, if I may. Honourable Graham Murray, can you please repeat yourself? Okay, I'd like to make an input on the long title and the preamble before we move on to the definition. So the part that's just been covered by um, Shu'aib, I would like to just make an input on that, if I may, please. But the, 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 the preamble 
is not part of this bill. It is the just the, the introduction, if I may, if I may say it. What we need to talk about it's the actual bill itself when we start in the clause by clause. So if you want to deal with chapter one, which is the, the definition, which some of the issues that are being presented in the preamble are in chapter one, I would allow you, but not can to... I, if, if I can beg to differ, the first, the first part of that um, thing before it starts with the preamble is the long title of the bill. That is actually what the bill is. So where it says bill, underneath that, it says to provide for the expropriation. That's the long title of the bill. That forms part of the bill, as does the preamble. Because the preamble speaks to exactly what constitutional imperatives are being applied in this law. Um, so I want to address the long title of the bill, if I may, please, before we move on to definitions. Because I think it's important that we flag an issue in that before we proceed with discussions. That is, everything in this, in this, this on this piece of paper is part of the bill. Okay. Thank you. What I want to say is where you look at the long title of the bill, it says to provide for the expropriation of property for a public purpose or in the public interest. Then it says to provide for certain instances where expropriation with no compensation may be appropriate in the public interest. What I want to do is I want to flag that that sentence, because that links to section 12, which we are still going to debate. And that was inserted on the premise that section 25 of the constitution would be amended to allow for null compensation. Currently, if you look at the property clause, you will see that null compensation is not actually constitutionally mandated. Just an equitable compensation is mandated. So I'd like to just flag that sentence as, as potentially being removed from the bill that we table once we have finished the deliberations on the bill, because I'm hopeful that we can prove that the null compensation clause cannot be included in the bill going forward because it is const unconstitutional. Thank you. I just wanted that on record. Thank you very much for giving me the opportunity, Chairperson. Honourable members, just to remind you that we have a bill here that has been prepared because the constitution says that the state may formulate laws and legislation to implement the constitution. And as such, that is where we are. We cannot then say that when we are doing a bill, it must be done in such a way to satisfy us. We will deal with the issue of nil compensation when we come to it here in the bill. So as much as I've allowed you to speak and to flag some items, I don't think that as this portfolio committee, we are going to change the title of the bill. But uh, let's allow uh, Mr. Denzin to continue. Thank you. Thank you, Chairperson. Um...
As I said, the arrangement, I'm not going to go through every chapter and read uh, the subsections yet. Let us uh, move to the definitions. Um, one, 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 in this act, unless the context indicates otherwise, claimant means a person who has lodged a claim for compensation with an expropriation, my apologies, expropriating authority arising from or in connection with an expropriation of property. Constitution means the Constitution of the Republic of South Africa, 1996. Court means a high court within whose area of jurisdiction a property is situated, and B, a magistrate's court within whose area of jurisdiction a property is situated, having competent jurisdiction and designation as such in terms of paragraph B2 in the definition of court in section 1, read with section 9A of the Promotion of Administrative Justice Act 2000, Act number 3 of 2000, or in C, in the case of intangible property, the court within whose area of jurisdiction the owner of that property is ordinarily resident or has its principal place of business within the Republic. I'm shifting. Date of expropriation means the date mentioned in the notice of expropriation, which date must not be earlier than the date of service of such notice. Chairperson, I see the parliamentary legal advisor has a hand up. Chairperson? Yes. Ms. Uh, Ngema's hand is raised. I think she wants to make input. Ms. Ngema? Greetings, Chairperson and the members and everybody on the platform. Thank you, Chairperson, for the opportunity. And I'm hoping that I'm audible. I just wanted to ask Chairperson, with your permission, and if it can perhaps work better, that perhaps so that we can be clear, maybe each definition is read, if um, members' points or views or questions can be taken, so that once we move from that definition, it is settled whether it stays the same or it is corrected or what the public was suggesting. That is just a suggestion, Chairperson. Thank you. Ms. Nyama, uh, I think uh, as much as I respect your view, can, can we just deal with the definitions, all of them, so that we don't take one by one, and then we deal with, with all the definitions that are there, and then members say that this definition, because I'm worried about saying that if we say claimant and then say, oh, agreed, constitution, agreed, Date of expropriation agreed. I would just allow the honourable members to deal with the, the, the definitions. I don't think there are many that maybe they can take uh, the entire day. Just just only the definitions. If if if, if um, uh, Mr. Denson can 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 just finish up the issue of the definitions, and then I take the hands from all the the, the, the members. And then you also allow you to correct where the, 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 the need the correction and what has been said by the public. 
just deal with definitions, all of them. Um, uh, can we can 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 we finish? Uh, honorable members, we only have uh, three hours to deal with this uh, with this with this for today, and we have another three hours next year. So as uh, maybe saying raising this and this and this, it's not going to allow us to finish up today. Okay, um, yes. honorable. Yes, sorry. Grammar, if, I, if I could just say, yeah, sorry, I don't want to. I don't want to 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 get into debates now. But chairperson, at the end of the day, we are legislators. Our job is to legislate. In other words, this bill goes out in the name of this committee as a proposed act that will have far-reaching consequences on private property rights and on people that are waiting for property for land reform purposes. I agree with the party advisor. At the end of the day, every single definition needs to be agreed to. We are here to debate the clauses of the of the bill, not do a box checking exercise where we say, "Okay, we're happy with this," um, you know, as it's as it's been proposed. This is where we get into the nuts and bolts of this of this bill. And if this process isn't done correctly, it opens up to a constitutional challenge at a later date because it'll be said that we weren't given the opportunity to properly engage on on the bill. So I agree. There are certain there are certain definitions that are going to require substantial debate. And by just pushing them through, we're going to lose the essence of those of those definitions. There are a whole lot that don't need any input, but I do believe that we need to get confirmation on each clause as we go through, so that we don't on each definition as we go through, so that we don't lose sight of the of the important definitions that need to be debated. So I'd like to support the parliamentary advisor, um, legal advisors, um, Rick. Chairperson. Honorable Chair. Is it Tim Jobo or Shabala? Okay, Honorable Shabalala. Your line is not clear, maybe on my side. I can't hear what Honorable Shabalala is saying. Oh. Okay, okay, Chair, let me leave it for now. Let me stand on the better position. But I was trying to say you have I thought you have ruled on this matter. Yes. Thank you, Honorable Shabalala. Uh, Mr. Okay. Can you finish up the issue of definition? Sure, I'm and then I'm going to allow the members to talk on the definitions that are here. Can you, can you please finish up the issue of definitions? Thank you, Chair. Date of expropriation means the date mentioned in the notice of expropriation, which must not be earlier than the date of service of such notice. However, in relation to any document, means to deliver by hand facsimile, uh, sorry, facsimile transmission or post as contemplated in Section 24.3 and 4 of the book. Department means the Department of Public Works and Instruction. Director General means the, the director, director General of the Department. Disputing party means an owner, holder of a right, expropriated owner, or expropriated holder who does not accept the amount of compensation offered in terms of Section 14.1 or 15.1. Expropriated holder means a holder of an unregistered right in property which right has been expropriated by notice in terms of Section 8.1 or 
or in terms of Section 91B. Expropriating authority means an organ of state or a person empowered by this act or any other legislation to acquire property through expropriation. Expropriation means the compulsory acquisition of property by an expropriating authority or an organ of state upon request to an expropriating authority and expropriate has a corresponding meaning. Holder of a right means the holder of an unregistered right in property. Land parcel means land that has been surveyed and is either registered or yet to be registered in a deeds registry. Um, I'm shifting, I think. Yes, I just want to... Master means the master of the high court. Minister means the minister responsible for public works and infrastructure. Notice of expropriation means a notice contemplated in Section 8. Organ of state means an organ of state as defined in Section 239 of the Constitution. Owner, where the ownership of the property or right is in question is registered, means the person in whose name such property or right is registered. And if the owner of any property or registered right in land is deceased, means the executor or of his or her estate, and if no executor has been appointed or his or her appointment has lapsed, the master. If the estate of, an, of the owner of any property or registered right in land has been sequestrated, means the provisional or final trustee of his or her insolvent estate, as the case may be, or if no such appointment has been made, the master. If the owner of any land or registered land in property is a company that is being wound up, it means the provisional or final liquidator of that company, or if no such appointment has been made, the master. If any, I'm shifting, if any property or registered right in property is vested in a liquidator or, or trustee in terms of any other law, it, it means uh, that liquidator or that uh, trustee. If the owner of any property or registered right in property is otherwise under a legal disability, it means his or her representative by law. If any land or registered right in property has been attached in terms of, any, of an order of court, means the sheriff or deputy sheriff, as the case may be. In the case of a public place, road or street under the control of a municipality means that municipality. For the purpose, purposes of Section 5, includes a law, lawful occupier of the land consent and uh, includes the authorized representative of the owner, which authorized representative is ordinarily resident in the Republic. Possession includes the exercise of a right. Prescribed means prescribed by regulation. Property means property as contemplated in Section 25 of the Constitution. Public interest includes the nation's commitment to land reform and to reforms uh, to bring about equitable access to all South Africa's natural resources in order to redress the results of past racial discriminatory laws or practices. Public purpose includes any purpose connected with the administration of the provisions of any law by an organ of state. Registered means registered or recorded with a government office in which rights in respect of land, minerals, or any other property are registered or recorded for public record in terms of any law. Regulation means a regulation made in terms of Section 28. Service in relation to a notice as contemplated in Section 24.1 
means to serve by delivery or tender post-publication or in accordance with the direction of a court and serve as a corresponding meaning. This act includes the regulation, the regulations. Unregistered right means a right in property, including a right to occupy or use land which is recognized and protected by law, but is neither registered nor required to be registered. And valuer in relation to land means a person registered as a professional valuer or professional associated valuer in terms of Section 19 of the Property Valuers Profession Act 2000, numbered 47 of 2000. 2A, a Saturday, Sunday, or public holiday must not be reckoned as part of any period calculated in terms of this Act. To be the period 20 December to 7 January inclusive must not be reckoned as part of any period calculated in terms of this Act. Here we go to the application of, of Act, which brings us to clause 2, two uh, one. Um, Mr. Denzen, if we can okay. stop there uh, sure. and, and go to clause 1. Clause 1, which talks about the definitions uh, we'll go to close two on the application uh, after the members and, and legal services have dealt with that. Honorable members, I will repeat, we are going to deal now with clause one. Clause one deals with the definitions as they have been read. Uh, if you can continue uh, opening up, so at uh, honorable members would then refer to a certain uh, a paragraph or stanza, if it's like that, in clause one. I am then going to note uh, the honorable members uh, on, on this one. Uh, on my side, uh, the only hand that is up on this, okay, it's two, it's honorable grandmare. It's Honorable Hicklin um, on the issue of the clause, clause number one, Honorable Van Skalvig. Um, okay, over to you, Honorable Members, on the issue of the definitions. Thank you, Chairperson. Um, okay, the first definition that I'd like to address is um, under court. C, it's at the top of that page there, that the middle page there, um, Shoaib. Um, this relates to intangible property. Um, so C is the issue, not, not the other two, not A and B. Yeah. Um, so what I'd like to say is that um, throughout this entire bill, the only reference to intangible property directly is made under this, um, this specific clause. My concern is, is that intangible property should have the specific Procedures that would need to be um, dealt with in order to expropriate intangible property. So it's given enough credence to be mentioned under, under the definition of court, but nowhere else is it discussed. So it's something that we need to bear in mind that we either take out this clause and remove intangible property, which we'll discuss later when we come to the property clause um, or the property um, definition. Um, but to me, it, it's just it's just bizarre that the only reference to intangible property is in the definition of court. Um, when we go a little bit further down, we look at deliver. 
The next definition is deliver. It's just a little bit further down from there. So it says, in relation to any document needs to deliver by hand, facsimile, transmission, um, or post. All right. The post office is almost completely dysfunctional, and nobody uses faxes anymore. It's a redundant technology. My, my recommendation then would that we do include electronic um, media for, for delivery. So um, email um, or um, when we discuss later um, submissions and objections, that we look at potentially like we had with the um, inputs to the expropriation bill. People could use WhatsApp. Um, there was a specific WhatsApp line set up for it, and people could use um, our website. So I do think that we need to put in there or alternative um, electronic media and remove facsimile completely. We can leave post in, but if you're dealing with a rural area, not every person has got access to, to post. Um, most of the farms in that use post boxes. Um, so post would be to me also a bit of a redundant uh, methodology. So um, that needs to be amended in terms of, of where we at. Um, then disputing party, which is slightly further down, there are only three disputing parties that are defined here, and that's the, an owner, a holder of a right, um, and an expropriated owner or expropriated holder. Um, and then um, that's limited to a compensation dispute. So basically, the only the only dispute that can be engaged with under disputing um, with these disputing par parties is the amount of compensation. That references a later um, uh, issue that we have where, where um, a, go a government or an organ of state may decline to have their property expropriated, but a person who, an individual cannot. So a disputing party is, is here only given um, um, the right to dispute on, on issues of compensation, which I do think needs to be um, looked at as well um, in terms of um, fairness. Um, the expropriating authority, that means an organ of state. So some of the inputs that we received were, for example, um, the Free Market Foundation, when, when they made inputs on the bill in 2020, they spoke about how, how the abuse of power will be monitored um, in terms of um, an expropriating authority being an organ of state. Um, and then the Equal Education Law Center said that in terms of Section 39 of the Constitution, there are broad definitions of an organ of state, which includes private entities performing public functions. So in this definition of an expropriating authority, by including an organ of state, we could be giving expropriating rights to a private entity that is acting on behalf of government. Um, so I think there needs to be something that limits um, an organ of state um, and that we're not using the full definition of an organ of state as defined in Section 239 of the Constitution, just to make sure that we don't have um, people that are connected who then are suddenly given rights of expropriation because they're connected through, in, um, you know, because they're acting on behalf of government. So I think it is something, and there should be a certain level of curtailment um, in terms of who is, is entitled to be an expropriating authority. Um, and then... Um, the next one is a uh, holder of a right. Um, NetBank in, in their submissions um, recommended that a holder of right should be not just an unregistered right, but also a registered right. 
um, they would be covered as well um, as a holder of a right. So it co- a holder of a right can't just be somebody with an unregistered right. A holder of a right is also somebody with a registered right. So that needs to be rectified. Then um, the land parcel. It means l- the land that has been surveyed. Um, now, this is an important issue because this falls under the Deeds Registry Act, which, which gives a definition of land. So we also need to ascertain whether or not um, the the land parcel includes improvements on that land, or if it is merely just the land as defined in the in the Deeds Registry Act. Right. Then we move to owner. So then it says where the ownership of the property or right in question is registered. Okay. So this now assumes that all property that is up for expropriation is registered. Um. So. There are people who own property that doesn't have to be registered. And remember, if we're talking about the property clause, it's all property. It's not just land. So if my car is paid for and I'm the direct owner of my car, this I'm the owner of that car, but I don't have a registered right in that car anywhere. So we've got to be very, very careful where we're saying that the only property that is registered, that precludes um, a, a, certain, a certain assumption that there are that that unregistered property is then not covered under an owner. So an owner doesn't own unregistered property, only registered property. Um, and then um, also um, you have uh, where you have a mortgage, for example, you have the owner who's the actual owner of the property, but you have the bond owner or the, the owner of that mortgage. So who has the prevailing right when it comes to clause seven? in terms of negotiations um, on that property. Who then is the actual owner? Is it the, the owner of the, the, the property or the owner of the bond? Right. We get to the really, really difficult one now, the Property Act, the property definition. So the Banking Association have said that they believe that intellectual property should be excluded and that it should be limited to tangible property, um, which I agree with. Um, because I think we can have a more structured and restricted approach to this property, which does uh, to the definition of property, which doesn't conflict with the constitution. So while many people have gone to great lengths to give us a broad definition of property, we've had the department of and um, the department senior counsel, the office of the chief state law advisor, the parliamentary legal advisor. I don't believe we need a broad definition for the purpose of this bill. Um, People have said I'm an alarmist and I'm disingenuous for saying that the bill provides that government could take my car or my pension or my trademark or my copyright. As it stands now, government can. And the fact is that the primary purpose of this bill is to expropriate immovable assets or property, not intangible property and and immovable property. That's not required for the state to pursue its objectives. So it doesn't make sense to leave the property clause as it stands. This bill is designed to repeal the Expropriation Act. So how much other property has been expropriated under that act other than land and, and, and um, intangible property, and, and tangible property, movable assets? So this must also give effect to Section 25, but it should explicitly um, include only the property that is covered by this bill. I honestly believe that we can have a narrower approach to the definition of property for the purpose of, of this bill that will um, also, if you look at the rest of the act and how it is drafted or the rest of the bill and how it is drafted, the main purpose of this bill is to deal with expropriation of land. 
because government doesn't need my car for public purpose or public interest. So why would we then include government's right to take my car if it so chooses? So I, I still believe that we can have a more um, clearly defined um, property that isn't in conflict with the constitution, but that just stipulates to what property is covered by this specific bill. Right, public interest. So the public interest includes the nation's commitment to land reform. A lot of the inputs we've received on public interest um, have been that it's vague and it's ambiguous um, and that there's more to this than, than just that this is required. So the government response um, to those inputs that were received during the NEDLAC discussions was that this can be addressed by regulations. But the problem is, is that is that it's still until those regulations, do the regulations then hold up the, the, the passing of the bill and the enactment of the bill and then the implementation thereof, um, because we, then we have to wait for guidance in terms of public interest. Um, so we we do have to to just look at public interest and say that um, one of the one of the inputs that Claremont Main Road Mosque put was that it should be as set out in each relevant department's acquisition and expropriation guiding policy. So I do think I think that's quite a good way of containing um, public interest, so that it's not just as broad strokes that that they that they can come up with um, for for whatever purposes. Um, we do have to remember that we have to curtail government's power in terms of their access to private property. Um, expropriation is the, the taking of property without somebody's permission, without them wanting it to happen. And government shouldn't have just these overarching rights where they can just do as they please. So we have to be very careful that we're not giving government absolute broad um, public interest um, clarity and they and they can use whatever they want to. When we come to a public purpose, again, we see that an organ of state is included under public purpose. Um, and again, that this could include private entities, and and that that is that is not a um, a, a positive thing to be having, where a public a, a private entity can then say that they are acting um, on behalf of government and for a public purpose. Um, Agri SA um, felt that there should be regulations that get promulgated for this, so that we have clarity on the permissible uses. Um, for the property in terms, in respect of expropriation. In other words, if it is taken for public purpose, there should be um, a clear reason as to why it's being taken and what the property is going to be used from. The interesting thing is that on the in, on the NEDLAC document, public purpose was not included um, when when that document was issued. So so it's a bit strange that 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 was added after after the NEDLAC debate. Um, then unregistered right. Again, this comes back to what I said earlier um, in that does an unregistered right, it says it means a right in property, including a right to occupy or use land, which is recognized and protected by law, but is neither registered nor required to be registered. But, an, but that should also include um, an owner because um, there are owners who will have unregistered rights. So I do believe that, an, that ownership should be included in that definition. So that is, um, those are my um, my inputs at this stage. Thank you very much, Chairperson, for the um, opportunity. Thank you, Honourable. Um, thank you, Honourable Shar. Excuse me. Thank you, Honourable Graham Murray. Honourable Hicklin, you are the next uh, after 
Honorable Crime Mare, then followed by Honorable Van Stalwijk, followed by Honorable Van Steden. Thank you so much, Chair. It's very, very difficult to follow my very erudite colleague. I will do my best, although she has covered so much of what I wanted to say. I, I do, at the outset, want to state very categorically that um, if I am talking from a party political perspective, I want to state categorically that the Democratic Alliance 100% supports land reform and restitution, and I want that noted, minuted, and recorded. That being said, I want you to, I, I also want it noted that private property rights are the cornerstone of any democracy. And you're muted, Maddie. So sorry, I thought I was. I thought I had unmuted. Okay, I, so so you then didn't hear how I how I uh, said that it's very difficult to follow a very erudite um, colleague such as yourself. So we, we got that part. Just okay. going into into your. Um, I want to say categorically, and I would like it noted, um, if I am talking from a party political point of view, that the Democratic Alliance fully supports any land reform and any land restitution process. So going on to um, a land reform and looking at existing policies, that is very much within the focus of a Democratic Alliance approach to to this um, expropriation process. Um, looking at uh, land, land parcels, public interest and property, um, I, I believe very firmly that property rights are the cornerstone of any democracy. And so we have to look at that. And where you are looking at in section 25 of the constitution. And so one has to be exceptionally careful when one looks at public interest, as um, Honorable Graham Marie has said, we have to look at the, the land that is covered in the public interest and that it is not removed and, and we have to define very carefully what is land that is taken in the public interest and who takes it in the public interest. It opens the way very clearly, as Honorable Graham Marie says, to an organ of state misappropriating it and abusing it and handing it over to being used by a third party in the name of an organ of state. And we have to be exceptionally careful about that. We have to be very, very careful about using the words past racial discriminatory laws um, in appropriating property that is not land and property that is land. And we have to be very, very careful about misappropriating the power that is given to the appropriating authority and we have to be we have to be circumspect rather than having a broader definition and 
we need to understand that land appropriated in terms of this bill is only a very, very small portion of the land that is going to be used. Um, and I am I am exceptionally worried about putting all the land and the resources that are associated, the mineral resources, the water license, the water land resources that are associated with the land that is taken in terms of this bill and put into the hands of the state, it's very, very dangerous. It's a very dangerous concept. We have to be very, very careful. And as Honourable Graham Marie said, where does the interest lie in the land itself or in the bond and the mortgage where does the where does the boundary end and i think we just have to be exceptionally careful as to the improvements that are made to that land and we have to structure what we do very very carefully i leave it there until we get further into the ball thank you so much chair just those notes on the definitions thank you um, thank you, Honourable um, Hicklin, Honourable Van Stalve. Thank you very much, Chairperson. I'm not going to open my video due to connectivity issues. Uh, Chairperson, uh, let me allow my allow myself to start. Uh, my input uh, referring to the ANC's position on the subject matter. In the 54th ANC National Conference, resolved that expropriation of land without compensation should be among the mechanisms available to government to give effect to land reform and redistribution. And we must ensure that we do not undermine future investment in the company or damage agricultural pro production and food security. And furthermore, Chairperson, the expropriation bill is part of the ANC's legislative program for transformation. So when we are saying that we should be case careful in using past discriminatory uh, issues on land, that's exactly what we should use, Chairperson, because we know that our people has been dispossessed of their land through different uh, 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 apartheid era laws, which ensured that they 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 uh, were dispossessed uh, by the uh, of their land. So it's it's absolutely pivotal that we start with that uh, point in terms of the ANC's uh, position. Chairperson, when uh, going further, I would like to, to speak to the issue of, of uh, uh, deliver, where Honorable Gray Marie uh, uh, spoke to, to, to the, the issue of, 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 of deliver as, as enshrined in, in our our uh, our bill, uh, when she said that we should exclude mail as uh, post at, as it's a past form of 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 delivering, I would strongly oppose to that view 
based on the fact that uh, many of our people, especially in rural areas, are still uh, using mail as as a as a, uh, or post as a form of 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 uh, 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 delivering mechanism uh, of of uh, uh, kind, but also chairperson. Although we know that we are living in a new era, uh, and and. They, in many instances, uh, facsimile are, are not uh, prevalent anymore. I feel that we should still keep that uh, in in our uh, description because if we excluded uh, the the issue of post or, or fax, then it means it it's totally excluded from the bill, and and then it's not opening a window. I totally, however, agree with her in terms of including electronic media like email specifically, but not necessarily WhatsApp and other forms of, of, of electronic media. Because if, if we just indicate electronic media, we will find ourselves to, to open the, the scope so broad where we would uh, 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 include uh, other media like uh, Facebook and 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 other social media. So I would I would therefore uh, agree with her that we include electronic media, but specifically referring to email in that instance. Then, chairperson, on the uh, proposal by uh, Honourable Gray Marie on expropriating authority or organ of state to be limited, I would. Uh, propose that we leave as it is so that uh, it stay like that because we know that uh, when we talk at, about expropriation authority or organ of state uh, uh, we know that in in many instances or in, in this instance we're referring to the minister in, 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 in per se but we know also in practice that the minister would uh, may assign officials or other people uh, uh, acting on her behalf. So if we limit that clause and we we, we only uh, deal with it in, in a limitative uh, issue, then it would uh, therefore mean that uh, when we speak about expropriating authority, we, we will limit it to the minister also uh, only per se, and uh, uh, we won't take the, the practicalities uh, uh, into consideration. So in that interest, I, um, uh, instance, I, I would strongly uh, uh, disagree on, on that issue. And then, Chairperson, the issue in terms of the public interest, which Honorable Gray Marais referred to, which is not uh, included in the uh, NETLEG discussion, we know that uh, all discussions at NETLEG uh, uh, were done between the NETLEG partners, but those very same partners also had the opportunity to make presentations to uh, our committee in terms of the public hearings, uh, whether written proposals or, 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 or otherwise. And I would therefore not uh, uh, see this uh, viewpoint to, to, to be taken 
into consideration or, or to, to be a, a standing factor because we, we know also that even uh, when we look at the parties at NETLEC, we uh, know that uh, uh, its government and the business and the communities and all of those, they make presentations in our public hearings, whether uh, physically or, or written proposals. So uh, for the mere reason of uh, the public interest or other issues not raised in the network discussion documents, I uh, don't think it, it, it should stand and, and I pre- uh, propose that that uh, discussion or that uh, viewpoint falls off. I think I'll, I'll pause there for now, Jen, it gives others the opportunity also to make inputs. Thank you very much, Chairperson. Thank you, Honorable Van Skalweg, Honorable Van Steden, followed by Honorable Shabalala, followed by Honorable Matebula. Honorable Van Steden. Thank you, Honorable, thank you, Honorable Chairperson. Um, yeah, now I also have a few um, concerns about some um, terms we are trying to use, use here. Um, I think we must go and look in the first instance what is intangible property. And I, and I said intangible property means it is something that a personal corporation can have ownership of and can transfer ownership to another personal corporation, but there's no physical substance, for example, a brand identity or knowledge or intellectual property. Now, according to my knowledge, this law is about the expropriation of land and not intangible property. So that clause 1C um, that we have seen there above it's a bit problematic for me, and that can broaden the scope so much for government to actually do what we want to do if it's, if it's been accepted like this. On the matter of delivery, which we said we were talking about a post facts, etc., I think electronic media should be included in this manner. Uh, email and um, various other um, uh, electronic media as well. Um, we, we know how the postal service is today in South Africa and it's not up to standard. So I foresee uh, very big problems in future when um, uh, uh, people don't receive um, notices from government via post or fax and um, uh, much, much many problems can be, can be devi- um, um, we started um, from this. If we look at the term expropriation authority and the term organ of state, um, I'm of a viewpoint of view that we must not give government full power to do what we want to do, what is not actually in a democratic manner. We must be very careful um, with that with that um, meanings we put in that's been put in this in this thing. I just want to check quickly. Um, Chairperson, if we before we move on, my eye just um, saw something now. I just want to check here quickly. Just give me a second. Public interest. The term public interest. Um, we must and public interest and public purpose. What exactly do we mean by public interest in public pur- and and public purpose it can mean so it can mean in my view a lot of things and um, so how do you gonna expropriate land and how can you define it to say but it's in it's in in the public interest that the minister can um, expropriate land 
So it must be more must be must be more clear to say what is the matter the, the matter of public interest and public purpose. If you understand what I'm saying, um, the, the, the terms we have here, which just said includes the nation's commitment to land reform and to reforms to bring out equitable access to all South African natural resources and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. It includes any purpose connected with administration of provisions of any law by organ of state, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But this is my point exactly. It must be it must be made defined the definition of this must be in such a manner that it's understandable. Because anybody can come now. Um, that's, that's why I want to go back to the term of organ of state as well. Yes, we said now the, the, this bill said now the minister. Um, is for expropriating authority over organ of state. But any, we know what's going to happen. An MEC from, from a province or a, or a premier or so can come and say, but I'm also an organ of state. And I can do this and this and that. And I foresee many problems in future. But I think we must look at this public interest and public purpose. I think it um, is going to pose some, some, some more problems. Thank you, Chair. Thank you, Honorable Van Steden. Um, Honorable Shabalala. Thank you, uh, Chairperson. And I appreciate the um, contribution made by the Honorable Members. Um, but I want to make a few comments. The issue of the authority. I I, I, I really think that you need to look back. How does the state become the authority in the first place? The state becomes the authority because of the mandate that has been given by the people of South Africa. Hence, the, the state cannot act out of the law. The state is the custodian of the constitution. The issue of uh, I think it's a missed, uh, uh, um, it's a misplaced uh, argument to say that the the, po the post office uh, is not so much of the use for our people. Right now, in the morning, I pass through next to one of the post offices. It's the longest queue because the post office is servicing people that cannot even afford to take a taxi to reach to any destination, but at least the post office are there. If there is an issue about the inefficiencies and other problems, that are those the issues that can be discussed and amnesties can be seen with those issues, but it, it, it cannot be that we, 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 we can just write it off like that. The issue of the... Um, the water and mineral resources. I'm for status chairperson. Who issues the licenses? The licenses are issued by are issued by the state. It has never changed. It's backed by the law. It's backed by the act. Honorable uh, Matebula, I don't know whether Honorable Shabalala are you true or it's network. 
um, uh, it's although my network is not right, but uh, I, I'm through Chairperson. Thank you. Okay, Honorable Shabalala, followed by Honorable Jobo, followed by Honorable Mashele. Uh, may I, may, are you giving me to may I speak to? Uh, may I speak? Yes, Honorable Matebla, we can speak. No, thank you very much, uh, Acting Chair. Well, Acting Chair, um, I must first uh, indicate that uh, we are in the situation which we are in now because of our our past. Uh, the situation which we are in is a creation of apartheid laws that uh, we we have in this country. Uh, which were, as a democratic government, we were trying very hard uh, to change that. Uh, first of all, Chair, uh, let me indicate to you that um, uh, South Africa, uh, or the South African government, it's a democratic government. I hear colleagues, they say that government uh, can do as it pleases in terms of the the bill once it is actually passed and it is law. There is no such a thing. Government cannot do as it pleases. Um, in the past, you have a situation where in parliament uh, was actually superior to, to courts. But uh, the current uh, setup in terms of the leadership in South Africa is that uh, you've got courts uh, that uh, can be approached in an event that government abuses the state power. So the people of South Africa, in particular the opposition parties, uh, that are fearing for the transformation of uh, our country in terms of giving our people rights to own land and other properties, uh, they should actually uh, relax because uh, there will be no abuse of power. And the current uh, form of the bill, my view is that is the correct one. There's no, there's no need for anyone or for us to change, even if we may debate here and there, but it speaks to what we have been looking forward to. And it speaks to what our people have been telling us as we have been traversing the entire country, nine provinces. And they, are, they have been in support of this bill. But I must also indicate uh, that we, if I may take you down to a memory lane, that we just have been unable to make changes in terms of the constitution because we could not reach the two-thirds majority that is required in order for us to change section 25 of the constitution. But then if you go to section 25 of the constitution, subsection 5, you will realize that that particular section empowers government to take legislative steps in order for people to have access to land. In particular, I just want to talk about land. So now there is nothing that is, is unusual about the government coming up with a bill that is going to assist government to, to have our people having access uh, to land. Now, Chair, another section that is very important in this particular piece is section 36, subsection 1. That, that section, um, it, it, it is a section that gives government the rights uh, to exercise law 
in a way that is generally applicable. It is not going to be a law that is going to be for Matebula only or for uh, this particular uh, 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 person. It is going to be a law that is going to be applied generally. And also, I must also say Chair, that uh, uh, in, in, in coming up with this bid, we have actually indicated that you can only expropriate if that is in the interest of uh, the general public of South Africa. You cannot just uh, expropriate because today you slept and when you woke up and you decide then to you know, take this uh, property or that property. You can only expropriate if that is, and they also, the rights of a person who's affected must be taken care of. So this, I must also say this particular B, it's one program that the African National Congress in its 54, uh, uh, you know, elective conference resolved that it has to take place and it must be implemented. It is long overdue for our people to look from the touch lines that uh, land is being, uh, you know, owned by a few. And the majority of the people of South Africa, they are not owning this land. And even if these people, they were to own the land, I must also say this, it's not just that you are going to own the land and do nothing about it or the land will be expropriated by an authorized organ of state. And us as the department, we are one organ of state that we are, uh, um, will, we are in, empowered by this bill to expropriate land. And as we are doing so, we are going to expropriate land and the land will be given to people who are going to utilize that land. Should it happen that land is not um, utilized properly, the land is going to be taken. So there should be no fear. And our colleagues, especially from the opposition parties, they must relax. We are going to use this to empower and to undo um, the, 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 the wrongness of the past and the deprivation of access to property and land by the DEN system. Thank you very much, Chair. Thank you, Chair. Honorable uh, Matebula. Yeah. Okay, Honorable Mashele. Oh, it's not We're going to start with Honorable Jobo before you, but you can speak. I, I think uh, your your network is not so good. So let's allow you to speak so that you don't lose it totally. Thank you very much, Chair. Uh, greetings to yourself and uh, my colleagues, including the support staff. Chair, I think all of us here, we should agree that... Uh, we have got the responsibility to build South Africa. And I'm happy that uh, even my colleagues from the DA, in their preamble, they say uh, they support
Sure, we've just lost Honorable Mashele due to network issues. Honorable Chabal, can you come in? Then uh, Honorable Mashele will allow him when he has rejoined the meeting. Honorable Chabal. Uh, thank you, Chairperson. Thank you for the opportunity. Uh, mine is, um, first of all, I like to align myself with Honorable Sharon and uh, Matebula and Honorable, Honorable Shabalala. Uh, special on the issue of expropriating authority. Uh, the expropriating authority has has to act within the bill and law, which based on the constitution, the authority cannot act outside the law. Um, the the last one on my input chair will be the will the public uh, what do you call the public public interest. Yes, Chapel. Are you still continuing or that was the last point in your deliberations? Yes, Chair. My last my last input will be on the last interest that <laughs> that public interest that in terms of that one, I think uh, the legal the legal advisor must come in uh, to to motivate that one. Because that one is is redress the issue of land. Thank you, Chairperson. Is Honourable Marcelle back, comrades? Honourable members. Yes, I'm. I'm, I'm, okay, I'm back. Okay, can you continue then, Honourable Marcelle? Apologies, Honourable Marcelle. Thank you very much, Chair. Uh, quickly, Chair, I I'm saying. I think all of us in our preamble, we say we support transformation. Now, if indeed we support transformation, we, we, we must all agree that we must go through a process of pain. Because here, we, we have those that uh, have and those that do not have. We will not be doing justice uh, to ourselves. Because if we sit here, and discuss definition and say what is public interest, what is public purpose, and try to be mechanical with this thing. It, it will be wrong. The bone of contention is that I, I know that we come from different political parties and all that, but at the end of the day, we've got the responsibility to build South Africa. And if we are going to stand there and say we, we support transformation, therefore, how do we transform society? How do we transform? How do we bring legislations and bills 
that uh, will assist us in, in the real transformation of society outside the, the PR exercise and scene. Chairperson, probably the question would be, where are we differing? Because if we come here and say we agree that we must transform society, there is a bill before us and we all agree that uh, the road to transformation part of it is that we should have public amenities. And if there's anything that stops us from achieving that, we get all over, begin to discuss what is public interest. Therefore, one should say, what is public? Who is this public? Don't you know who is this public? And don't you know what is the public interest? And I think we're going to be moving in a second. We'll be making the, the work of the support staff to be difficult because now we'll want to go all out and uh, bring them to come and define definitions. My question, Chair, to all of us, and honestly and genuinely, is to say, where are we different in terms of this particular bill? What is that you want to achieve? How are we going to make sure that society, the South African public, gets public amenities? I can give you an example, Chair, here in Kumalama, where I come from. At one point, when I was still working for the provincial government, government wanted to build RDP houses in Pilgrim's Rest. Budget was there. The land is not available. Now, how are we going to make sure that the people of Pilgrim Rest get this land, the people of Pilgrim Rest, the kids in that particular, in that tiny community, get a school? If government cannot have the capacity and the power to make sure that expropriate land and build amenities for them. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm pleading with everyone here that we have got a duty and a responsibility to transform society and all of us who agree, the ANC, the DA. Let's leave feelings aside because we're going to reinvent and try and define ways in our own interest and in our own feelings. And I think that would be wrong. It is incumbent upon us to say, where are we different? Let's leave this thing of trying to be dynamic and sit here and, and define a minister and define a DG. No, Chair, I, I think we're not doing justice to ourselves. Where is the bone of contention? We've got a bill before us, and everyone in this frame would say it's an important bill. Team. Matibula, where are you differing in terms of this particular bill such that we take the bill and, 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 and put it before the people of South Africa? And I think if we can respond to that, we will make our life easier, we will make the life of this particular community and everyone else. That, that, that would be my input chair. Honorable Marcelle, I think again, Network has dealt with him because uh, he has left the meeting, not sure whether he was true or, or, or not. Uh, uh, the, the system has kicked him out of the, of the meeting. Um, honorable members, uh, a lot of, of issues have been raised and uh, our team has highlighted them 
and they have indicated that uh, also uh, some uh, because there is a lot that we are raising. If you can also write that and send them to the secretary. But now I will allow the 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 parliamentary legal services uh, maybe to try and respond uh, in some of the issues that have been raised uh, and also to to if i i may say this uh, when the department was presenting to us uh, members, they they said that this bill defines uh, a property with reference to Section 25 of the Constitution. I just want to say this because it's something that was presented to us. Uh, they said, I want to say, this was a deliberate choice because the constitution is constantly being developed by the courts. And again, it is impossible to adopt a detailed definition of property in the bill because it needs to be decided incrementally on a case-by-case basis, which the constitutional court is doing that. And, and if you remember, honorable members, there were a number of cases uh, of court cases that were referred to by the legal experts. Uh, Ms. Pume, um, the legal um, services from Parliament. Thank you so much, Chairperson, once again for the opportunity. And I would just be brief in light of everything that you have indicated, Chairperson. Firstly, perhaps identify that with each and every discussion and deliberation that's taking place today, the committee is attempting to make their decisions and find one another as the members coming from different opposition parties. And what that will result in is for us attempting to then draft an A-list which speaks to what the members have discussed and taking into account what the law is currently um, defining and what the law in terms of case law and, and as well as the existing statutes that are in our statute book, which are aligned with the constitution without ignoring what the constitution as the supreme law is then indicating. When we draft the A-list in light of the submissions by the members, we will not ignore what the public has said. We will not ignore what the case law is indicating. We will also ensure that everything that we suggest for members to accept is aligned with the Constitution. So that said, Chairperson, and in light of what has already been said to the committee, Section 25 has not been changed. It stays as it is, and our colleague, uh, Mr. Denison, did read it for everyone to hear it and understand each and every word that is under Section 25. It has also been argued in courts, it has been argued in debates, that the issue of compensation at a zero rent, which is generally called nil compensation, 
it is not necessarily excluded from what Section 25 is indicating. Furthermore, the issue on the definition of property, we had when the submissions were made by the legal team previously, Chairperson, that even the courts are saying it would be unwise to define what property is. And that is because the, 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 the Constitutional Assembly, when it drafted the Constitution, also preferred to just give us a definition that says property is not restricted to land. And furthermore, as pointed out, Section 25 does provide the guidance when we need to deal with the issue of land reform and land restitution without being so emotive about it. So, Chairperson, that being said, I think eventually, as we go on with the bill and, and, and unbreak and unpack the provisions as the content now, the, 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 the definitions will have to be finally considered in light of the content and in light of what the members are saying, being persuaded by what the public has said. Now, that said, Chairperson, the main crucial definitions that I've had members speak to, one is the issue of nil compensation and whether it's aligned with the Constitution. And our submissions as the legal people have pointed out that that does seem to be in order. And we will need to look into details of what Clause 12 is providing as the provision that speaks to nil compensation. However, Section 25 changed or not changed, it does enable one to look at what an equitable and fair compensation when the state expropriate is. And even the courts have indicated that in other instances, even nil compensation or zero compensation can qualify to be equitable and um, fair compensation. So, Chairperson, the four definitions which I think are of an issue, and if we look at the previous act that already exists, that act attempted to define public interest and public purpose. And I think for those three, property, public interest, and public purpose, eventually will be guided by the, the, the final decision of the committee as a committee and not individual members, whether there is a need to define those three in light of case law and in light of what already appears. Under land parcel, Jefferson, there is, um, the bill currently says it means land that has been surveyed and is either registered or yet to be registered. Now, ownership is also a right, and it's a right that is registered or can be unregistered. So these are the things when we finally present an A-list to the committee, we will break down and make sure that they overlap and they, and, and they, they are in sync with what is being said. So, Chairperson, having said that, I am of the view that the A-list, in terms of what has been discussed with, with, with the members today, will then attempt to try and bring members together, which will be a process as we go on and as we are taking notes on what the members are deliberating and suggesting. That is um, what I want to say, Chairperson. And lastly, in, in light of the submissions made with regards to deliver, I think the definition as well, we will attempt to look at it and attempt to see the evolving instances of technology and everything that happens. But we must remember that when we are drafting laws, we are drafting for the future and not only the current times. So there is always an attempt 
to look forward and look back in order to influence what can work and what the law should be dictating and enacting. Thank you, Chairperson. I will end there. Uh, thank you, thank you, Ms. Pume. Um, do we have uh, the maybe the legal services from the department? I think you have uh, correctly uh, uh, explained, uh, uh, Ms. Uh, do we have uh, maybe the, the the office of the chief state law advisor? I think there's someone from the department. Yes, good morning, uh, Honorable Chairperson. This is Mola Delamuasa, different policy. Um, I am with my colleague from Legal Services. I, I don't think that the, the um, advocate but lender was invited. Uh, I think we were um, invited for noting of what, what, what is taking place. And yes, indeed, we've been very, um, we've been listening attentively to uh, the, the the discussion and the deliberation. And I mean, I I don't even want to go into detail. I think uh, the parliamentary legal person has, has articulated very well what we also um, uh, would want to say that in terms of um, um, the specific uh, clauses or definitions that have been indicated. Uh, indeed, uh, there, there would be, we would go back, regroup, and then uh, look at especially those that are very much in contention. But I, I, would, I would agree with a number of uh, um, um, comments that have been made, especially in terms of the expansion, if you like, uh, of delivery, deliver, delivery method that, that should include electronic um, mail. Uh, I think that is one thing that that is very important. Uh, but the, the rest, I think we will also reflect. Um, uh, apart from what we have already shared with uh, the portfolio committee in terms of specific, especially the six, the six ones, and and the rest, um, the the rest of the clauses, uh, there is a document that uh, the minister made reference to last time. Uh, yeah, uh, but, but but the legal person is yes. I don't know whether maybe. He has something to say, Mr. Mukwena. Thank you, thank you, uh, uh, Mr. Mufasa, and uh, good morning, Honorable Chair and Honorable Members and uh, colleagues. Uh, I would not want to add anything at this stage. Uh, as uh, Mr. Mufasa has, uh, has, has indicated that he uh, we were invited just to come and vote. Uh, however, we have uh, uh, also noted the um, submissions by um, the honourable members, and um, we are in, uh, considering them very seriously. Uh, and we will consider them uh, as a team and uh, uh, revert to the committee in uh, At this stage, I, I do not uh, want wish to uh, add any further uh, comment at this stage. 
Okay, thank you, thank you, thank you. From our from our legal uh, services, um, uh, Ms. Pume will, will will go through with us uh, as as the one representing the the parliament. Um, we will now move to clause two. Um, Honourable members, uh, having noted all the inputs and the counter inputs that you have put in, but I think we agree with the fact that in terms of communication, we will add other means of communication. Uh, it can't be the post office only. Um, then the application of the Act, uh, Mr. Denzin. Listen, thank you. It is 10.42 and I've got good news. We are at the final part of Chapter 1 of the Act. Um, two, one, despite, this is the application of the Act. Despite the provisions of any law to the contrary, an expropriating authority may not expropriate property arbitrarily or for, the, for a purpose other than a public purpose or in the public interest. Two, despite the provisions of any law to the contrary, an expropriating authority may not expropriate the property of a state-owned corporation or a state-owned entity without the concurrence of the executive authority responsible for that corporation or entity. Three, subject to 22, section 22, a power to expropriate a property may not be exercised unless the expropriating authority has, without success, attempted to reach an agreement with the owner or holder of a right in a property for the acquisition thereof on reasonable terms. And four, an expropriating authority may expropriate property in terms of a power conferred on such expropriating authority by or under any law of general application provided that the exercise of such power is in accordance with sections 5, 227, and 31. That's it, Chairperson. Uh, we'll wait for you to facilitate members' input. Thank you, uh, Mr. Denzin. Can we then... Uh... Um, then allow the members to interact with clause two. We will go clause by clause, honorable members. Um, so please bear with me and uh, uh, Mr. Denzin, bear with us because we don't want to leave any stone unturned. Um, the hands that I can see in front of me now is honorable Kramare, it's honorable Hickley. Uh, clause two, uh, Honorable Van Staden. Uh, clause two, application of the Act. We're dealing with definitions. We're now in the application of the Act. Honorable Kramare, Honorable Hicklin, Honorable Van Staden. In that order, please. Thank you, Chairperson. Um, just a couple of points of clarity. Um, first of all, this, this bill is the law of general application to give effect to Section 25.2 of the Constitution which speaks about expropriation. 
There are other pieces of legislation that give effect to Section 25.5, as indicated by Honorable Matabula. The purpose of this act is not for land reform purposes. The purpose of this bill is to give government the right to expropriate land for public purpose and in public interest, which could include land reform. We have to be very clear that this is not a land reform bill. It is a bill giving the government the right to use land to fulfill its purpose and obligation to its people. I also understand that this is a political and emotional issue around land, but we are not here to debate political ideology today. We are here to debate this bill that is before us. We are legislators. It is part of our responsibility as members of parliament to pass legislation that gives effect to government priorities. So all political ideology aside, we are here to debate clause by clause. We can't just say, well, this is fine. It's giving effect to a decision taken um, at, at the last Congress so we don't have to discuss it further. It's like if we decide to bake a cake as a team and everybody follows a different recipe, the outcome of that cake is going to be a disaster. This is exactly the same thing. This law is super important. What we are here to do is to make sure that when this law is passed, it is done in an in a way that gives absolute effect to what we're trying to achieve. And that is to give government the power to expropriate land in a just and equitable manner. That being said, clause 2.2, where it speaks to that, um, that there can be concurrence of the executive authority. It is only state concurrence is provided for in this act, in this bill. So either all parties must, must agree or none. In other words, why does the state have greater rights in terms of um, the right to say no than an individual does. The state must negotiate in good faith and the law of general application must apply equally and generally. And that means that everybody should be treated equally under this law. So our contention is that clause 2.2, that subsection 2, should be removed. It's provided for in section 1 and also in IGR because that concurrence should have been um, obtained during the investigation phase. So we would like to propose then that section 2.2 be removed from the act. Thank you. Chair, may I go next? Yes, please, uh, Honorable Hitlin, but if I may, uh, because there are other hands, I said Honorable Hicklin after Honorable Graham Murray, Honorable Van Staden, uh, then there are new hands, uh, Honorable Shabalala, Honorable Matebula, uh, Honorable Machele's hand was up, but he, he has been kicked out of the system. Uh, there's also Honorable Van Scalvik. Uh, in that order, Honorable Members, Honorable Machele will come in after Honorable Shabalala if he has managed to join. If he has not, he will come in after Honorable Sharon Van Selvig. Thank you, Honorable Members. Please continue, Honorable Hicklin. Thank you so much, Chair. I just want to concur and say that at no point must we get into a situation where the executive authority, being the state, has a far greater say 
in the expropriation of land than an ordinary land user or a land owner, because otherwise we get out of kilter with what the constitution says, and that can be exceptionally dangerous in terms of what we are trying to achieve in this instance. Thank you so much. I will leave it there, Chair. Thank you, Honorable Hitlin. Honorable Van Steden. Thank you, Chairperson. Now, I'm not at all comfortable with clause 2, subsection 2. Uh, um, it, it seems that the state wants to protect its own powers and its own property, but it doesn't want to, in a matter, protect the, 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 uh, the properties of, of ordinary citizens of this country. So this is problematic for me, and I will also support that this clause be removed, please. Thank you, Chair. Chairperson. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, Honorable uh, Fancelen. Honorable Shabalala. Uh, Chairperson, I think one is satisfied with the note that the, the, or, the authority may not expropriate proper, pro, the property arbitrarily. And for me, that covers the the rights of any citizen in this country but also the issue or the i also note that um the clause does cover the the ownership and the recognition of the of the ownership because it states that um the the state will always have an agreement and attempt to reach an agreement with the owner or or, or the holder of the rights or in the in the property. So for me, I am uh, comfortable with 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 whatever or with what is contained here. Thank you, Honorable Shabalala. Honorable Matebula. <laughs> Uh, thank you very much, Chair. Uh, Chair, let me quickly just clarify one thing here. When we, we speak about the issue of uh, expropriation, expropriating land uh, in the public interest or for the for the public purposes, we well, I, I hear Honorable uh, Graham where he says, no, no, this is not about maybe uh, taking land and giving it to private individuals, of which I do uh, agree. And when she says that it's a land that is for the state, but we must understand that who constitute, uh, you know, um, the state, who are the people who are part of government and the state. So now we, when also we speak of a public, who are we talking about? The state and government, they represent the people of South Africa. And if it is for the purposes, for public purposes, who are the public? The public are the people of South Africa, who at the end of the day are going to have access to that land. It can land, can land can be expropriated for the purposes of building a, say, for instance, a stadium, something that the, a particular, uh, you know, community in 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 Northwest didn't have a stadium. By so doing, then people are going to have access and they are going to be owners of the land through the state. 
That's what we must, that, I just want to clarify that. But another thing I want to concur with the Honorable uh, Shabala, when she says that uh, this, the, the form in which the bill it is, uh, it should remain as it is. There's no need for changes. And I hear my colleagues from the opposition side saying that um, it looks like the, the state wants to protect itself more and give rights to itself. Uh, where, especially where they talk about the concurrence, when um, maybe you speak, when you speak of the executive, when land is to be taken, say for instance, from, from the province or from the municipality, then there must be a concurrence from uh, the, the executive which is something which is correct. And, and, and again, uh, when you speak also of uh, the, you know, the state expropriating land from private people, um, Honorable Shabalala has indicated that the land will, uh, I mean, the state will try to reach an agreement with the owner, whether it's a state or it's a private individual, in order for, for the state to you know, to use or to, to achieve what is for, what is in the public interest. They will have to have an agreement with that particular individual or that state entity. But this clause also means that uh, in an event that as an individual or the state, I feel a state organ that I feel that the purpose for which the, the state wants to expropriate the land is not for the purposes of uh, the public or is not in the public interest. You've got a leeway to approach the courts of South Africa. In this case, it can be the, the High Court or the Constitutional Court, uh, wherein you will seek a, a legal remedy or some kind of a relief. So, uh, as I said previously, uh, especially the Freedom Front Plus and the EA, I know the their constituency is the constituency that uh, owns the majority of land in South Africa. And they are worried and are worried that they might lose support come 2024 if they don't successfully uh, defend this land. So thank you very much. Sir. Thank you, Honorable Matebula. I can also see the hand of Honorable Tring. Uh, Honorable Van Skalbeek, then followed by Honorable Tring. Thank you, Chairperson. I'm mostly covered by uh, my the previous speakers. It's safe to say that the proposal to uh, remove 2.2 should be not be uh, sustained, but I propose that it stands as it is. Thank you very much. Thank you, Honorable Van Stalweg. Honorable Trin. Uh, no, thank you, Chair. Chair, I think the, the, the simple saying, uh, uh, what's good for the goose is good for the gander, I think applies in this particular case with regards to uh, the application of the Act uh, to subsection 2. Uh, clearly, I think in terms of the law of general application, um, if we are able to, and are looking at expropriating land for public good from uh, public citizens, uh, the same also should be should apply. The same law should apply to to the state. So I am in support um, of removing uh, that uh, the in the terms of the application of the Act, uh, Section Two, Subsection Two. 
Uh, I also chair just, and I'm sorry that I'm raise, only raising this now, but I also do have a concern uh, with regards to the, the use of, uh, in terms of the definitions, intangible property. Um, I think that we have to be very careful in, in terms of um, what the, the fact that intangible property or that which is intangible um, can also be uh, expropriated. That that refers to you know copy copyrights, uh, patents, and so on. Um, and I don't think that it actually has a, a place um, in uh, in this particular bill. Thank you, Chair. Um, uh, just checking whether Honorable Machele has managed to rejoin the meeting. Uh, as he was one of those whose hands were, were up when when we started, especially with clause number two. Thank you, Miss um, Pumelele. Thank you once again, Chairperson. Um, we are on clause two, which deals with the application of the Act. Generally, in other words, what it means, how and why should this Act be applicable and to whom? So, Chairperson, I hear the concerns that have been raised by the members and noted what the public said on this. Um, Chairperson, I think... The main thing that we first need to start with, I will quickly reread what Section 239 of the Constitution defines as the organ of state. It says it means any department of state or administration in the national, provincial, or local sphere of government, or any other functionary or institution exercising a, pop, a, a power or performing a function in terms of the Constitution or a provincial constitution, or exercising a public power or performing a public function in terms of any legislation, but does not include a court or a judicial officer. And that is what organ of state means in any instance, because this is the supreme law where it is referred to or where it is mentioned. Now, Chairperson, with what the members have said, in terms of subsection two, I am making an assumption or a view that what the department, when it proposed this subsection two was attempting to bring on board is what chapter three of the constitution is actually seeking to achieve, which is cooperative governance within the organs of state, within the arms of government, within the state as a whole. Now, Jefferson, the issue may arise with the use of the word under sub two without the concurrence. Because without the concurrence of the executive authority means that even if the expropriating authority may have found valid justification to expropriate, unless there is concurrence, there can be no movement and there can be no expropriation. And hence, Jefferson, the provision may then be bringing us qualms in light of the use of that weight. And again, as members have pointed out and the public pointed out, subsection three seems to actually bring on board both 
the cooperative governance that is envisaged in Chapter 3 of the Constitution, as well as ensuring that the executive authority or the expropriating authority does have a conversation and does seek to do something that is publicly acknowledged and something that has been engaged with whoever may be necessary to engage in order to protect their rights. So in my view, Chairperson, in light of what I've said and in light of the definition of organ of state, I am of the view that two things may perhaps take place. They're re-looking at subsection 2.2 and the concern clarifying that phrase without the concurrence of the executive authority or generally remove subsection 2 as suggested because subsection 3 is covering in generally and in all instances what sub 2 may have attempted to cover as well as ensure that cooperative co- cooperative governance remains the order of the day within the organs of state and within all the institutions of the state as we know them, Chairperson. That is my suggestion and, and, and my view and the legal position in light of close to Chairperson. I thank you. Thank you, uh, Ms. Pumalele. I, I think Ms. Pumalele has uh, explained uh, uh, in details uh, why in the application of the Act, Clause 2.2 is added. Uh, and, and maybe when we then uh, deliberate further and maybe come to a voting, we'll vote on, on, on that one. Uh, because, but I think she has allayed many fears that have been raised by honorable members. Uh, when they were saying that clause has to be removed. It's not coming anywhere, honorable members, uh, than it is being referenced from the constitution of this country, which we know it's, it's what we all have to ensure that this bill is within the constraints and the ambit of that um, constitution. Chapter 2 powers of the minister to expropriate. Clause number three. Um, thank you. Yes. Um, 3.1, subject to the provisions of chapter five, the minister may expropriate property for a public purpose or in the public interest. Two, if an organ of state, other than an expropriating authority, satisfies the minister that it requires particular property for a public purpose or in the public interest, then the minister must expropriate that property on behalf of that organ of state upon its written request, subject to and in accordance with the provisions of this act. Three, the minister's power to expropriate property in terms of subsections one and two applies to property which is connected to the provision and management of the accommodation, land and infrastructure needs of an organ of state in terms of the minister's mandate. Four, where only a portion of land parcel is expropriated, the minister may expropriate that portion together with the remainder of the land parcel, 
provided that A, the owner so requests, and B, the minister is satisfied that due to the partial expropriation, the use or potential use of the remainder of such land has become so impaired in consequence of the expropriation that it would be just and equitable to the owner to expropriate it. Five, when the minister expropriates property in terms of subsection two, A, the ownership of property vests in the relevant organ of state on the date of expropriation. B, the date on which the right to possession of the property vests in the relevant organ of state must be determined in terms of section nine. C, the relevant organ of state is liable for the fees, duties, and other charges which would have been payable by that organ of state in terms of any law if it had purchased that property. And D, all costs incurred by the minister in the performance of his or her functions on behalf of an organ of state must be refunded by the relevant organ of state within a reasonable time. Chair, I uh, want to hand back to you to facilitate members' input. Thank you, Mr. Shoaib. I then invite honorable members uh, to deliberate on clause three. Uh, honorable Tring, honorable Kramare, honorable Hicklin, honorable Van Steden. In that order, honorable members. Uh, no, Chair, my apologies. That was a old hand or legacy hand. Thank you. Oh, okay. Thank you. Okay. Then honorable Kramare. Thanks very much, Chairperson. Um, in terms of um, subsection two, so three, two, um, there were a lot of calls in terms of inputs that were made to remove this section from, from the Act. Um, or from the bill. Um, but one of the, the issue, one of the reasons why was that there is um, a prescription to the, the minister that when she is um, approached by an organ of state other than an expropriating authority, that she must expropriate that property on behalf of the organ of state. Um, so as far as I'm concerned, the, we, an organ of state should not be in a position to prescribe to the minister what she should or shouldn't do, or he or shouldn't do, um, if, it, if it isn't a female minister, um, because at the end of the day, it, it, it infringes on, on the minister's executive authority. Um, and also, again, once again, we're talking about an organ of state that might be a private entity, and why would that private entity or an organ of state are functioning on behalf of government have greater authority in the determination of whether or not to expropriate than the minister does? Um, then it says, so, so although, although there has been a call to remove that section, I don't think it needs to be removed, but I do think that must needs to be changed to may. I do believe that the minister should have the, the power to decline. Um, because it could be contrary to to other the, the other reasons for for expropriation or that that you know the minister has um, other plans, and then um, subsection three, the minister's power to expropriate. It says it's connected to the provision and management of the accommodation, land, and infrastructure needs of an organ of state. As far as I'm concerned, that's contrary to the purpose of of the act, which is for public purpose or public interest. 
that might not be in the public purpose or the public interest. And I don't understand how um, if that if that threshold isn't met, then that expropriation should not be allowed to to happen. So um, if that threshold isn't met, that section is superfluous. Any or if the threshold is met, in other words, if it is for public purpose or public interest, and not just for the specific needs of that that entity, then that clause is superfluous. In other words, as far as I'm concerned, we should take out section three and um, subsection three because either it is in public pur- for public purpose and in public interest, so then there's no need to stipulate it, or it isn't, and then it's contrary to the provisions of the Act. Um, and then um, just in terms of Section 5, subsection 5, um, nowhere in this section does it stipulate that it must be used for the requirements um, for which it was expropriated. In other words, this is an, expro- this is an organ of state that is outside of a normal or, um, expropriating authority. To my mind, they should justify exactly why they need that property and what it's going to be used for. And that should form part of subsection five. The ownership of the property vests in the relevant organ of state, and there must be some stipulation that the property must be used for what the, the intended purpose is. Um, Sarkalecha also also made a, a point that um, under A, the ownership of the property vests in the relevant organ of, of state on the date of expropriation and should also include on the payment of compensation as a prerequisite for that vesting. Now, I know that there's going to be a discussion later in terms of timeframes for the payment of compensation, but it is something that I'd like to flag that could be included at this point if we look at the, if we, if we're looking at changing timelines around the payment of compensation. Um, and then finally, 5D, subsection 5D, all costs incurred by the minister in the performance of his or her functions on behalf of an organ of state must be refunded by the relevant organ of state within a reasonable time. The National House of Traditional Leaders had an issue with this point because they are concerned that they might have not have sufficient money to cover that cost. So we need to look at, at how that, that costing would work um, and and whether because if they're if they're expropriating on behalf of an organ of state, um, then the costs thereof need to be weighed up. Um, if an organ of state is unable to meet that cost threshold, so those are just my inputs on this. Thank you. Thank you so much, Chair. I just have one thing to add on what Honourable Graham Ray said, and it is on Chapter 2, and it is on uh, Section D. When they talk about a reasonable time, what is that reasonable time? Do we have um, any kind of information? Are we able to put a time frame on what a reasonable time would be? Because one of the one of the challenges that that was highlighted very, very much in the public hearings that we had was that so many of these land claims, so many of the the issues that were that were highlighted is that things have dragged on for so many, many years. Um, and it was all linked into corruption and abuse of power. I'd like that reasonable time to actually be pinned down a lot more. I will leave it there. Thank you so much, Chair. Thank you, Honorable Hitlin. Um, Honorable Van Steden. 
Thank you, Honorable Chairperson. I have a problem with Chapter 2 of this bill. Um, it's going to be problematic to give a sole right to a minister um, with this kind of bill to say to a minister, you have a sole right to expropriate land in, in any way or form or whatever you seem to deem fit. It's a bit problematic, especially when someone's getting power hungry and when that person... Um, who is a minister can do actually anything they want to do to um, see what needs to be done to expropriate land and not no, uh, usually uh, follow the letter of the law. Um, the cost implication, which was my previous colleague was talking about, about the uh, section 35D. It says all costs incurred by the ministry of performance of his or her functions on behalf of the organ of state must be refunded by the relevant organ of state with reasonable time. Will that incur a further burden on the taxpayer of this country as that we already have? So that, that is a bit problematic for me. And, and, and then we go to um, the next clause, which is talking about the minister may not, uh, may, oh, so, Sorry, the subject to subsection two, the minister may either generally or in relation to a particular property or in relation to a particular case delicate or assigned to an official of a department any power duty conferred or imposed on him or in terms of this act. This whole chapter two, Madam Chairperson, in my eyes, with a sole right given to the minister, and it's very problematic to give officials of a department powers that it needs to be in the hands of lawmakers. This whole, this whole chapter, Honorable Chairperson, is going to take away the oversight role of Parliament in general. Uh, what is the use of Parliament then, if we have this chapter? If a minister of this department or any other minister, <coughs> excuse me, have the sole right to do what they want to do, what is the purpose of Parliament at the end of the day? Where Parliament has a role to play in uh, oversight, role to see that the law is implemented. But you, but I can guarantee you, if we're going on to the path that we are going now with this chapter, we're going to take all powers away from Parliament, and that is going to be very dangerous. Thank you, Chairperson. Thank you, uh, Honorable Fansteden, Honorable Shabalala, Honorable Matebula. Honorable Shabalala. Honorable Shabalala, I think she's still here and her hand is up. Honorable Matibula has been out. Yes, uh, Honorable Shabalala. Thank you, Chair. When reading the the section with the minister must. Before the minister must, uh, the clause says the minister would have been satisfied. Then you cannot leave it that if the minister can be satisfied but not act on her satisfaction that she must do her job. But the current situation at the moment is that we have a... Um, pockets of land already that are in the hands of the state. And we could remember that at some point, 
we have even discussed that, um, oh, there is a report, and in our previous discussion, that some of the land, the minister has instructed the department to release that land to um, uh, there is once an instant to, to an individual. But as it stands now, we do not, we never had a problem with PMTE and doing its job, but we've never had a problem with the minister uh, uh, starting the process of uh, distributing the land as the minister and her power. I remember that in one of, of the minutes, or was it the report, that they waited the, con- the, the, the confirmation by the minister when the, the, the officials of the, the department were reporting on the issue of releasing the land. So I, 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 I think um, I, I don't see any, any problem, Chairperson, uh, because this is the current situation. It doesn't, we've never even have the hallucination of why the minister uh, is taking the decision on that pocket of land. We've never said to this pocket of land before you could even release it. Uh, please, uh, let's, 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 let's let it be a subject of any other committee for that matter or a broader a parliamentary a, a, a session for that matter. Thank you. Honorable Chabo, Honorable Matebula and Bashele not yet back. Okay, Honorable Chabo. Thank you, Chairperson. Uh, I'm happy with Honorable Chabalala's input because the powers of the minister is based on the motivation. So the parliament still has powers. And parliament has an oversight role. And our uh, parliament has powers. No powers has taken away from, from parliament. So in other words, I'd like to say this, uh, this powers of minister, minister must remain like this. Thank you. Honorable Mashabula is not yet back. She's amongst those that raised their hands earlier on. Oh, thank you. Before I allow uh, Ms. Pumelele to, to, to come in. Um, I, I think, um, yeah, honorable members, we, we have been dealing with them. Um, we have been saying that the state has to elect acts to implement the constitution. And we have been talking about the executive uh, all along. We can then, uh, in, my, in my case, as the parliamentarians, the members of parliament, 
that are members of this portfolio committee that have to play oversight over the executive, take the powers of the executive that are there in the constitution. It may have been another minister, but in this instance, we all know that the department that deals with the assets of the state is none other than the Department of Public Works and Infrastructure. So if you are going to say, then a person who will have then overall authority, we can't take anyone else other than the minister that is in that particular department. So I, I, I really fail to understand why we then have an issue when a minister is given authority on, 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 on this instance, uh, as has been uh, explained in uh, Clause 3. When it comes to reasonable time, I, I think Honorable Hicklin, as much as she has just tried to say that sometimes uh, if we don't put in time, we'll have a due to corruption and that. I think, Honorable Members, we must also agree that the, the, the sixth administration, one of the fundamentals that it is, it is the one that is to fight corruption. And we know that the government of the ANC has put in so many independent bodies that fight corruption. And we also, through our oversight, are also fighting corruption. So I don't think that we can say that because we don't have time. And again, the issue of reasonable time, uh, honorable members, if we say two years, and we know that there are people that when this expropriation is done, they are going to take the minister or that particular expropriating authority that will have been given powers at that particular time. There will be courts, cases, and all that. So if we then say three months, and then within that three months, you're still going in court cases, and then that means it expires. I, I think let's not put in like dates or 12 months or 24 months. I think to me, reasonable time is enough uh, in terms of uh, this bill. But I will then allow uh, Ms. Pumelele uh, to come in. Once again, thank you, Chairperson. Um, I think in this one, Chairperson, I also have a question and perhaps also note that all the concerns and questions raised by the members are valid and maybe it's an opportunity that the Chairperson should open to the department to provide the answers to those concerns raised. One of the main questions that I have, question, I have Chairperson, in light of what the members have said and in light of what the introduced bill from the executive is indicating in respect of 3.3, subsection 3, because in all the other concerns and questions raised, I don't, I don't have an issue or any legal point to bring to a person. I just, I just want to ask in respect of 3.3, it is said that the minister's power 
to expropriate property in terms of subsections one and two applies to property which is connected to the provision and management of the accommodation, land and infrastructure needs of an organ of state in terms of the minister's mandate. I think for me, I fail to understand what that means. And lastly, are the needs of an organ of state part of what normally would fall within the grounds or the definition of what is understood as public purpose? So for me on this one, Chaperson, I have questions more than I have answers as well. Uh, and in light of the members' questions that have been posed and concerns, I think they are valid and do require a direction and answers from the department as policyholders and policy determiners. Thank you, Chair. Thank you, uh, Ms. Pumelele. Um, as we all know that um, the department uh, indicated that it didn't bring uh, their legal uh, person who responded. Uh, is it advocate? But Linda. I want to I want to call that name correctly. Is it but Linda? But Linda. But Lenga, yeah, they but didn't bring uh, advocate, uh, but Lenga uh, here in the, in in this who would have uh, maybe responded uh, properly, but uh, this is not. Uh, we are not closing this. We are just deliberating. I think Honorable Matebula is back. Uh, I think we must allow him to come in because he had raised his hand uh, earlier on. Uh, Honorable Matebula, do you still want to come in? On clause uh, three, is it clause three, clause two, clause three? Yeah, no, no. Thanks, uh, I just wanted to 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 to, to uh, respond to Honourable uh, Sansadin uh, in relation to what you were saying. Say that the minister, if you give the minister uh, the rights uh, to expropriate. Uh, she might uh, do as she pleases. Well, I want to indicate that, you know, the minister is a an official of the state. She represents the state. As such, she must then abide by the law. And uh, it has been stated that uh, she will have to work within a particular uh, legal framework. So in no way that... Uh, a minister can do as she pleases. And this, uh, when you empower the minister uh, as an official of the state, you are not empowering a private person who would do things or, uh, as she wishes or somebody who represents uh, her own jacket. It's not in that way. I think we've, we have said, said enough about uh, the issue of... Uh, us allaying the fears of the opposition party because I mean the parties, especially the DA and the friend of front class, because this is not a it's a sensitive matter. It's not a matter that we should uh, in actual fact be um whimsical about it. It's a serious matter that we, we need to deal with it uh, in a way that it should it should assist the department and it must be able to give direction when the bill comes before parliament. Thank you. Thank you, 
honorable uh, Matebula, honorable members, will come back to close uh, uh, three uh, when we have the department with us uh, next week. But let's continue. Um, uh, yellow. Uh, yes. Uh, yeah. Yes. Mulatelo. Yes. Yes. Um, <laughs> No, no, no. I think um, I, I must, I must uh, agree with the, uh, the the colleague from uh, Parliament Legal Unit there in terms of us having to clarify that plus 3.3 or subsection 3.3 because I think she juxtaposes um, the intentions with the intentions as um, espoused in the in the act itself, which are for public purpose or in the public interest. So if we bring now the element that says that as long as it is for provision or management of accommodation of land, and you juxtapose that, then, then, then there's a problem. So I think it, it's, it's, it's a good uh, observation. And indeed, we will uh, discuss that with, uh, with the, uh, the advocate and the colleagues in the department as well. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Mr. Mohasa. Um, honorable members, we are agreeing that we we bringing back clause three uh, next week when we continue with our deliberations of clause by clause. Can we go to next clause, um, Mr. Denzin? Thank you, Chairperson. Uh, we go to delegation or assignment of ministers' powers and duties. It was partly read by Honorable Van Steyden for one. Subject to the subsection two, the minister may either generally or in relation to a particular property or in relation to a particular case delegate or assign to an official of the department any power or duty conferred or imposed on him or her in terms of his of this act. Two, the minister may not delegate or assign the powers or duties on him or her in terms uh, of his um, Mr. Denzel, I think this Honorable Jabo is speaking. Honorable Jabo? Yes, sir, we can't see anything, in fact, on my screen. Oh, okay, 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 okay. Yes, okay. I can't see anything. On my I, I think I think even myself, but uh, because I I on another device I've opened the the bill. Uh, Mr. Shuey, please please uh, ensure that yeah. I think it's been fixed now, Chair. It's fixed, but but it go to where you were speaking to the clause that you are actually referring to. I was busy with because four now two, we are chair. in chapter three. Yeah, I'm busy with four two, Chair. Okay, delegation. Delegation. Um, so it's 4-1. I completed reading and I'm reading 4-2. The minister may not delegate or assign the powers or duties conferred on him or her in terms of subsections 3, 22-1, 23-1, and 28. I'm handing over to you, Chair. Yes, thank you. Uh... Uh, I think uh, uh, Honorable Fasteden came to this one even before we, <laughs> we dealt with it. I had him when we were speaking earlier on. Um, but again, Honorable Members, it is your chance to deal with uh, clause number four of the bill. 
Clause number four of the bill. I think without, uh, I don't see any hand on clause number four, but the concern that has been raised sharply by Honorable Van Steden, uh, that of minister delegating to an official. Uh, <coughs> uh, Honorable, uh, Ms. Pume. Thank you, Chairperson. I think the crucial portion of this one is subclause two, because what appears in subclause two, as, as we read it, it says there is no way the minister can transfer those powers or delegate them or assign them. And that speaks to crucially the expropriation. Expropriation has to be done by the minister in terms of section three, as well as if we look at 22. 22 is about also dealing with agent expropriation in instances of disaster or whatever else is, is, is mentioned. And again, 23 is also about withdrawing the expropriation if processes have been. So what appears in subsection two is very crucial to curtail the power to delegate. And I think it's a good provision that the legislature looks into and is, 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 is should be satisfied that in fact, that covers all the sections where a curtailment in terms of further delegation, because we know that the, the, the power to legislate is the power embedded and given only to the legislatures, not the executive. So when we delegate the delegation, even in light of Section 101 of the Constitution, must be very clear in its extent and what the, the, the original legislature is, is transferring further. So in this instance, I think the restrictions that appear on subsection two are crucial and very important to ensure that that power is restricted and given only to the minister. It can go no further in terms of being empowered to delegate further. I think the issue would have been the use of any under subsection one there to say any power or duty conferred. But when we get to subsection two, there is a valid restriction and members should just ensure that they are satisfied with all those provisions that are restricted in taking a further delegation than what parliament would have delegated to the minister in this instance. I thank you, Chair. Chair, I assume I may continue with Chapter 3. We may continue clause number 5. Uh, Thank you, Chair. Investigation and valuation of property. Uh, we're getting to the administrative stuff that um, that makes the bill quite important. If if there are animal noises around, my apologies, Chair. My captures working here. Um, five one. When an expropriating authority is considering the expropriation of property, he or she must, amongst others, ascertain a 
the suitability of the property for the purpose for which it is required, and B, the existence of registered and unregistered rights in such property, and the impact of such rights on the intended use of the property. Two, subject to sub three, if the property is land, an expropriating authority may in writing A, for the purposes of subsection 1A, authorize a person or persons with the necessary skills or expertise to, Roman 1, enter upon the property with the necessary workers, equipment, and vehicles at all reasonable times, or as may be agreed by the owner or occupier of the property, Roman 2, survey and determine the area and levels of the land, Roman 3, dig or bore on or into the land, Roman 4, construct and maintain a measuring weir or in or, my apologies, a measuring weir in any river or stream, Roman 5, insofar as it may be necessary to gain access to the property, enter upon and go across another property with the necessary workers, equipment, and vehicles. And Roman 6, demarcate the boundaries of the property required for the said purpose. And B, this is now 5.2B where we are, authorize a valuer for purposes of ascertaining the value of the property to enter upon the land and any building on such land and to do the necessary inspections and investigations for that purpose. I'm paging. The person or persons contemplating con contemplated in subsection 2A and B may not enter the property unless authorized in writing by the expropriating authority to do so. And 3A, the owner or occupier of the property has consented thereto in writing after being informed. 3B, the owner of the property has consented in writing to the performance of an act contemplated in subsection 2A or 3C, in the event of the owner or occupier refusing or failing to grant consent contemplated in paragraphs A, and A or B, is in possession of a court order authorizing the expropriating authority and such person or persons to enter the land including any building thereon for purposes of conducting the investigations contemplated in subsection 2. Four, the valuer contemplated in subsection 2b may a require the owner or occupier of the property to give him or her access to a document in the possession or under the control of the owner or occupier that the valuer reasonably requires for the purposes of valuing the property. B, extract information from or make copies of a document to which he or she is given access in terms of paragraph A. C, in writing, require the owner or occupier of the property to provide him or her, either in writing or orally, with particulars regarding the property that he or she reasonably requires for the purposes of valuing the property. And D, Despite the provisions of any law, my apologies, I'm paging, to the contrary, 
require the municipality in whose area the land is situated to provide such valuer, Roman 1, that's D1, insight into building plans of improvements on such land, D2, a copy or copies of building plans on such land at the cost of the valuer or valuers, and uh, D Roman 3, such information in respect of municipal property rates or other charges, land use rights, including the zoning of the land, availability of engineering services to such land, or such other information with respect to the land as is in possession, in the possession of the municipality and as may be reasonably required for the valuation of the said land by the valuer. I'm paging. Five, an expropriation. Expropriating authority must, if the information has not already been established at any time before deciding to expropriate property. 5A, by written notice, call upon the following persons to furnish in writing within 20 days from delivery of the notice, subject to 20, section 25, the names and addresses of all known person, persons holding unregistered rights in the property, as well as particular of, particulars of such rights, Roman 1, an owner, Roman 2, a person apparently in charge of the property, Roman D, Roman 3, any holder of unregistered rights in the property known to the expropriating authority. And 5B, if the property is land, consult Roman 1, the departments responsible for rural development and land reform, for environmental affairs, for mineral resources, and for water and sanitation, or and any other organ of state whose functions and responsibilities will be materially affected by the ex intended expropriation for the purposes of establishing the existence of and the impact of expropriation on rights therein. And Roman B2, if applicable with the municipality as contemplated in 6, 6A, a person authorized in writing to perform an act contemplated in subsection 2 must. Roman 1, provide the owner or occupier of the property with a copy of the said written authorization. 2, at all times whilst performing any such act, be in possession of such written authority. And 3, identify himself or herself to the owner or occupier of the property by means of an official identification document. I'm paging. If the person contemplated in para A fails to comply with para uh, 1, Roman 1, 2, or 3 of that paragraph. The owner or occupier of the property may refuse that person entry to the property or may refuse the performance of an act contemplated in subsection 2. 7. If the property in question is damaged as a result of the performance of an act contemplated in subsection 2, the expropriating authority must repair to a reasonable standard or compensate the affected person for that damage after delivery of a written demand by the affected person and without undue delay. Eight, any legal proceedings arising out of a claim referred to in subsection seven must comply with the relevant provisions of the institution of legal proceedings against certain organs of state act 2002 Act number 40 of 2002. Chairperson, I'm handing back to you to facilitate members' input. Thank you, Shri uh, Abe. Um, honorable members, uh, that's clause number five. 
uh, with subparagraphs up to number eight and, and very detailed. Um, we are supposed to end the meeting at, at 12, but we will continue. We won't stop anyone speaking, honorable members. That's why we don't have a limited time saying that you must speak for three minutes or five minutes. Uh, we know how crucial is this uh, is, is, is this bill. And, and, um, and again, uh, we have indicated that where there are issues that needs to be explained further, we will continue with such clause even in the next next weekend. If it means that we will have uh, not only two meetings, we'll have another third meeting to deal with this bill, we will do so, honorable members. So we invite you to really express the, your party positions, your views, uh, without fear or favor when we are dealing with this bill. Uh, clause number five, um, honorable Graham Mare. Honorable Hicklin, uh, over to you, honorable members. Thanks so much, Chair, and thank you very much for, for what you just said, because I do believe that if we have to have extra meetings, we should, I don't think we should um, limit our deliberations to um, to be time-bound. So I really do appreciate um, you being willing to, to look at that. Um, I've got quite a few inputs on this section, so um, if you'll just bear with me. Um, so in terms of the investigation and gathering of information for purposes um, of expropriation, Sarkelicher proposed that there should be subjective elements that should also be determined, including financial and sentimental significance to the owner. Um, so the assessment shouldn't just be an objective assessment. Um, and I know that there are issues around land that was potentially stolen or whatever, but there are also properties where people have farmed for generations, or it's communal land that is, that is um, you know, sentimental to that community. Um, those are, are subjective elements that should possibly be taken into consideration um, because land is such an emotive issue. But more specifically, if we go to subsection two um, on this item, I don't know if um, Shuaib wants to scroll up to that. So subsection two says, if the property is land, then the expropriation authority says whatever, whatever. There is no direction if it isn't land. In other words, what, what process then is followed? Um, and who would then value those the, uh, something that isn't land um, what necessary skills and expertise are are, um, are are going to be utilized? Because we're very explicit in this in this bill around land and the way the processes will unfold if it is land. But there is no clarity anywhere if it is not land. Um, and I do think that that is a that is a lacuna in this bill, and that is why I feel that the definition of property has to be brought down to just land and immovable assets, because I don't think we adequately address the processes around expropriation of something that isn't land. Um, that being said, if you go to um, Roman numeral one, that little I um, on under section two, um, it says they enter upon the property with the necessary workers, equipment and vehicles at all reasonable times, or as may be agreed to by the owner or occupier of the property. Um, I believe that the occupier, it's, it's a bit of a gray area 
that um, the occupier has 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 the rights, um, and that that can be given. Where you're saying or the occupier, I think it should be the owner um, at at any time, and not just an occupier. So um, it must be an owner and an occupier where where an occupier is present. Um, and then Sarkalecha also say that um, where it says viewed all reasonable times or as may be agreed to by the owner, it should be and. Because at the end of the day, what it's, what it's saying is, is that if it's not a reasonable time, then you need the owner's consent. But if it is a reasonable time, then you don't need the owner's consent. Um, and there's no ways that you can just allow somebody to trundle onto your property. So it would be somebody walking into my house and saying, well, it is a reasonable time, so I'm allowed to come in and they don't need my consent. So the or between reasonable times um, and the as may be agreed to should be changed to and. There's no ways that somebody should be allowed to just have unfettered access to somebody's um, land on the basis of the fact that it is a reasonable time. Um, then um, Roman numeral five, the V, it says, insofar as it may be necessary to gain access to the property, enter upon and go across another property with the necessary workers and equipment and vehicles. In other words, if you have to access my property by going over somebody else's property, this is saying you don't need to get permission from the owner of that property. You can just do that. So I do think that that is an issue as well, that they have to get permission from the owner of that property. You can't just travel. You've got to get permission to come onto my property, but you don't need permission to get onto the property from next door. So I do think that that permission must be sought under section um, that Roman numeral V. Um, all right, then um, carrying on um, B, so under section 2B, Authorize a valuer for purposes of ascertaining the value of the property. So land valued for land reform must be done according to the Property Valuation Act by a valuer general, and that allows for a period of up to six months. Okay, so if this property is being expropriated and it's being used for land reform, then it must be valued by a valuer general because otherwise this Trump, this, this law that we're drafting this bill trumps the Property Valuation Act. So we have to work out whether or not we are going to utilize the, the Property Valuation Act and the Valuer General's um, um, purpose of valuating land for land reform, um, or if, if we're going outside of that act. Um, so there's a bit of a disjuncture here between this bill and the Property Valuation Act. If the land is for land reform. If it's not for land reform, then obviously that, that doesn't apply. But there must be clarity around so where that purpose is defined as land reform, then we have to um, accede to the Property Valuation Act and then bearing in mind that there's a six-month time period in which the valuer general gets to value that property and that could then delay the entire process. And that would then speak to timelines, which come in a little bit later. So I do think that that needs to be considered um, then just section four, subsection four of five. Okay, so there's a whole lot of information that has to be um, provided. Um, I do believe that our legal people need to just check whether or not section four complies with the Poppy Act, um, because I think that that could have a bearing on the information that is that is shared and given. And then under subsection five. 
it says there an expropriating authority must um, by written notice call upon the following persons to furnish in writing within 20 days. So that 20 day period might be too short um, for compliance with the with the information. There could be people where they have to do an investigation, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm just wondering whether or not that 20 days period might not, um, shouldn't be slightly slightly extended. And then again, under 5B, if the property is land, there's a whole list of people that need to be consulted. But what if it's not land? There's no other clarification on anything that that um, should be um, consulted. For example, if you if you if it's a trademark, do you have to consult um, you know copyright attorneys, etc., cetera, etc.? Cetera. So this whole clause basically applies to land, and there should be a separate clause that deals with um, other property. So it's something that we should should be concentrating on. Um, also, there is no consultation mechanism for the owner of the property whose rights are most affected. And um, the consultation here is with all sorts of other people. Um, nowhere in this clause is there consultation with the owner. Um, other than when they start, um, you know, sending out messages and saying, you know, um, you know, we, we're going to be um, expropriating. So somewhere in this in this clause, we need to include um, consultation with the owner. Then subsection six, subsection six B, it says if the person contemplated in paragraph A fails to comply with subparagraphs um, one, two, and three of that paragraph, the owner or occupier of the property may refuse that person entry to the property. So refu- refusal by the owner is only on those grounds. And it actually supersedes the permission that's required under subsection 52A1, um, where where you can just decide it's not a reasonable time. So um, this should be over and above the general consent that's granted. In other words, you're allowed to decline somebody coming onto your property for whatever reason. And then if that person, or, or you can give consent and say, okay, you can come onto the property um, but, you know, then they have to comply with the subsection. In other words, there, there are two requirements for consent that don't necessarily marry, um, and we need to make sure that that general consent is, is a requirement, and over and above that, if a person arrives and doesn't have the, the, the requisite documents, then, then you can also refuse um, them to come on, onto your property. Um, so I think that's just a clarity-seeking um, exercise where we need to just make sure that it's a lot clearer. Then um, subsection seven, if the property in question is damaged as a result of the performance of an act, there are a lot of um, inputs that were made that said it can't just be property. The owner of the property might suffer damages. For example, if it's a, a farm and a gate is left open by somebody who's coming onto the property to do evaluation and all the people's livestock run away, they've suffered a loss and it's not a loss to their property per se, um, the actual physical property where they're doing investigation, it's a loss to the owner. Um, boring of holes is damage. You know, so what constitutes damage? And I do believe that it should be um, if the owner suffers damage, um, then then we need to to they should be entitled to compensation. Um, and then finally, is it finally the second last point? Um, on that, still under seven. It says that um, the expropriating authority must repair to a reasonable standard or compensate the affected person. Um, my question on that is who, does, who determines the standard? 
who determines the quantum for damages. Um, there should be a stipulation that qualified people are um, brought in to determine that. And also there should be some um, baseline that is established at the outset of this investigation so that you don't have an owner saying, oh, well, you've come in and you've damaged this and this and this and this, where, where that was already a pre-existing um, issue on the property. So there should be some requirement that a baseline is established um, and then you would need experts then to verify either the extent of the damage or the quantum of the, the compensation um, going forward. And that's to protect the state more than anybody um, to make sure that owners are not trying to, to benefit um, and um, undeservedly. And then finally, under subclause six and three, um, the municipal manager is given 20 days um, in which to deliver the written response. What are the consequences for not responding within 20 days? Um, let me, my municipal manager in my municipality ignores everybody for months. It takes two years to get any information out of the municipality. What are the consequences to the municipality? if they do not meet the 20-day requirement um, and, it, and it materially affects the process of the expropriation. I think that's my inputs for now. Thank you very much. Chair, all I can say is uh, Honourable Grammary has absolutely covered every single solitary thing that I was going to say. You could assume that we were sitting in exactly the same room because I have marked every single solitary thing on my bill that Honourable Graham-Marie has just spoken about. So my input is absolutely zero. Thank you, Honourable Graham-Marie, for covering everything I wanted to say. I really do appreciate it. Uh, and thank you, Honourable Graham and Honourable Hitlin. And, and I was like... I, I'm going through this. I'm looking at uh, uh, clause number five, uh, subsection uh, six, 5.6, and I don't see anything that talks to municipal manager. And I can see that uh, Honorable Grammarie has done what uh, Honorable Fanstaden did, went to clause six. We're not yet there uh, because I have to see, hey, I've read this. I don't see anything with municipal manager. We're still going there. <laughs> on, a, on, on a lighter note, we're still going there. Um, if you can go back, but I, I have this. I I may partially agree. I'm, I'm saying partially agree with Honorable uh, Graham Murray on 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 only one point. Uh, the one which is on which is on. Uh, five point uh, is it five point seven? Where it is not clear who will evaluate the damage, uh, so that the government is not taken for right by anyone who feels that uh, is it seven? Yeah, it's seven. It's five point seven, not five point six. Uh, it, if the property in question is damaged as a result of performance. Uh, so that there must be a, an addition there that a, a respected independent body uh, will be the one that will then say how much 
uh, can be refunded in terms of uh, damages. So that, uh, not everyone would say that uh, uh, the damage here is, is, is 20 million when the damage may, be, may only amount to 10,000. So we would really need a, a body there. I think some has to be uh, added on, on, on that one. Um, uh, Ms. Kumelele, do you want to add something on this uh, clause number five? Thank you, Chairperson. Just two things. Um, one, that Chairperson, we should perhaps also let in my colleague from the State Law Advisors in case he wants to bring in something. And just on the content, Chairperson, um, I think generally the members have pointed out, for me, the issues were on the limited timeframes and what what guided the department to give us the very limited time, considering what will go into these tasks, to say the 20 days, to say the 40 days, how, how, how did we get there? And perhaps the time should be increased in light of understanding administratively what this provision provides should be going into, into the task and into ensuring that there is compliance. Um, that's all for me in this instance, Chairperson, as well as an indication as to if nothing happens, what then? Because the bill is silent. If people are not meeting with the timeframes, what will then happen? Thank you, Chair. Thank you, uh, Ms. Pume, and, and, and it means that we'll also look at this uh, uh, again next week. Um, uh, Honorable Van Staden has uh, asked to be released because he is attending another committee um, starting at 12. Uh, remember, we have a house sitting at, at, at 3 this afternoon. Can we then deal with clause number 6? Consultation with municipality during investigation. Chair, um, sorry to, to interrupt. Uh, it's Mr. Oh, 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 oh. Apologies. I have just uh, received a, a notification from uh, uh, Ms. Martini say that uh, uh, we have, uh, is it advocate? I don't want to call it wrongly, Van Breda from the Office of the Chief State Law Advisor. Uh, who is also part of this and would like uh, to comment. Are you the one who would like to speak now? Yes, Chair. Oh, okay, over to you, sir. Yes, thank you, Chair. Um, morning to the honourable members. I'd just like to say that um, most of the concerns raised in respect of Clause 12 um, would have to be responded to by the department as they are best placed to, to actually address those issues. Um, but other than that, I have nothing further to add, but I, I am in agreement with um, the parliamentary advisor's input. Thank you, Jane. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much, uh, Advocate. Um, can we then go to cross a Number six, I think I think it will be the, if we agree, honorable members, uh, it will be the, the, the last clause that we deal with today. But if you would like us maybe to go to clause number seven, we can also deal with that. Then 
uh, on Wednesday next week, we start with clause number eight. But I'm worried about the issue of time. I think let's deal with only clause number six uh, today, and then we adjourn, and then come back next week. Honorable members, uh, this one is on you. Should we continue to clause number seven or only deal with clause number six? Looking at the issue of time, I also I have to attend a meeting starting at one, the meeting of all the chairpersons of the parliament. Sure. We can do, all, we can do closes only. Okay, uh, Honorable Jobo, Honorable Prime Mare, and there was also another voice. Was it your voice, uh, Shreve? Okay. Yeah, I wanted to. I wanted to say uh, I was on. I was uh, about to start, but I see two hands. Okay. 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 Thank you. Let's allow Honourable Jabo. Uh, thank you, Chairperson, for the opportunity. I think we can stop on uh, on number six. Okay. Thank you, Honourable Prime Mare. Yeah, I'd like to concur. Clause 7 is quite a long and involved clause, so I do believe that Clause 6 has got very minor. I've actually already given my input on it, so um, I'm quite happy for us to stop at Clause 6. Thank you. Thank you, Honourable Primary. Honourable Hickley? Agreed, Chair. I was just going to second that, that we start 7 uh, next week, Chair. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, Honourable Members. Uh, we'll only deal with Clause number 6 as the last clause today, and then we'll start with other clauses next week. Um, to Abe, you can Chairperson, continue. Am I, am I audible? Yes. I, I can't find that button there. Okay. Consultation with municipality during investigation. 6.1. When contemplating an expropriation of land, an expropriating authority must, if not already established, in writing, request the municipal manager of the municipality where the land is situated to inform the expropriating authority of the effect which the purpose for which the property is being acquired may have on municipal planning. 2.62. The request contemplated in 6.1 must include 2a, a statement that the expropriating authority is contemplating the acquisition of the land, 2b, a full description of the land in question, 2c, details of the purpose for which the land is required, and to D, such other details as the expropriating authority may deem necessary. Six, three, the municipal manager must deliver a written response, response to re the request contemplated in subsection one to the expropriating authority within 20 days of receiving the request or within a reasonable time to be agreed between the expropriating authority and municipal manager or within the period determined in terms of section 25. I'm paging. If the expropriating authority is the municipal council of the municipality where the land is situated, the request contemplated in subsection one is not required. Handing over to you, Chair. Uh, thank you. Um... Mr. Shueb, um, Honorable Prime Mare has already uh, indicated uh, 
her input on on this uh, uh, cross six point three, yeah, uh, especially on the issue of the number of days and and in which uh, Miss Pumalele and Advocate Van Preta have also uh, talked on the issue of the days. But may I get uh, hands? I don't know whether Honorable Mara, your hand is a is a legacy hand or a new hand. May I then uh, get some, it's a new hand? Okay. May I then get some indication, uh, Honorable Members, uh, on clause number six, um, Honorable Mara? Then I will call others when they raise their hands. Yeah, Chair, I just want to clarify, look, it's not so much the question of 20 days because there is, they can have a reasonable time to be agreed upon and within the period determined in terms of Section 25. My question really is, is what are the implications and what are the repercussions if they don't get a response from the municipality and it has a material effect on the timeframes required in terms of the um, expropriation and the costs incurred. So um, I just think that there needs to be some sort of repercussions if people are not adhering to timeframes. Thank you. Thank you, Honorable Kramare. Any other members on this issue? Uh, clause number six, honorable members. Miss um, uh, Pumalele. Nothing, Chairperson, thank you. Okay, okay. I think you have already expressed yourself on the issue of the days. But uh, I think uh, what what Honorable Prime Murray is also raising is um, is also crucial. Uh, what about the municipality doesn't then respond? What measures are we going to put there? Uh, Honorable, sorry, excuse me. Uh, Advocate Van Breda has indicated that uh, we the the department ought to come up with with the responses, especially on the issue of time and all the questions that we have raised uh, here. Uh, I hope that uh, Mr. Muhasa, you are noting this and together with Mr. Mkwena, who are representing the department, that in the next meeting, we really would be happy that you bring in a advocate but Linga, that I'm pronouncing it correctly, to be part of, of the meeting. So that if there are any issues that are coming in, legal issues that the department has to really assist. Um, honorable members, let me again appreciate uh, your robust uh, deliberations on this important bill um, that if uh, adopted by the parliament, and signed in by the president, it will really show that the the, the country and the current government uh, is ready to transform this country. We may uh, say all what we are saying, but the reality is that the constitution gives the powers to enact laws and legislation 
that will enable the constitution to be implemented. So this expropriation bill is such a one of those laws. And again, a very important part that it is repealing that expropriation act of 1975. That is very, very important and crucial. Uh, we appreciate all that we have uh, uh, presented uh, today. Uh, we'll come back uh, next week. We are not yet through uh, with this. We're still going to discuss uh, further and present our party uh, positions on this important uh, act and bill. Thank you again, honorable members. Um, we really appreciate what has been done by our legal services from the parliament in assisting us and also um, advocate from Breda from the office of the chief state law advisor and the department in assisting uh, this important uh, uh, bill that we are dealing with today. Um, honorable members, uh, if uh, Ms. Martini said we don't have any uh, announcement that we can share, uh, any, because we agreed that we won't be dealing with minutes today, we will be dealing only with the bill, just like next week we'll only be dealing with the bill, we will uh, deal with minutes in another meeting. All right, thank you, Chair. No, yes. there, there's, there's nothing else from my side, Chair. I would like to, however, um, urge the members or rather the committee to give us guidance from the support side of things in terms of whether we may need a third meeting, uh, which will be dealing with the with the um, consideration of the bill clause by clause over and above what we're going to have next week so that we can start with the application process as soon as possible. But other than that, uh, see you same time next week um, on Wednesday. Thank you, Chair. Um, thank you, Ms. Martinese. Uh, without even consulting the members, it is clear that we will be doing that. We are still in clause number six. Um, we still have a lot uh, of clauses to go. Uh, we're still just in the beginning. Uh, we're not yet. This is what I'm going to say. So we're not yet there. So please do the application for a third meeting that will be dealing with clause by clause. So we're giving you uh, that uh, power as the portfolio committee on behalf of the the, 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 the members, uh, knowing full well that uh, we have a recess coming on, it would be better if you would also look at the issue of Tuesdays, if, if uh, the um, House Chair allows us to deal with that, uh, but uh, also indicate that the, it is very crucial that we deal with this in this quarter as we according to our program we have agreed upon. Um, in the absence of any uh, announcement on our members and all those that have been watching our committee uh, today, um, we really appreciate uh, your input, uh, those that have been uh, committing and deliberating uh, but also, honorable members, I, I plead with you that uh, in preparation for 
Next week is, um, is deliberation. We will be starting at clause number seven. So if honorable members would uh, indicate uh, when they come in, they, when we deal with clause number seven, they deal with all the subsections there, the paragraphs there, and that then we go to another clause, they, they really prepare themselves. Uh, so that we don't, when we are dealing with clause number seven, someone talks about clause number eight, talks about clause 12. We deal with that particular clause only. Honourable um, members, the meeting is adjourned. Thank you. Thank you, Chair. Thank you, Shuaib, for all your hard work. Thank you to the support team. Thank you, colleagues. Thanks, Chair. Bye-bye. Pleasure, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye. Have a good day.